Welcome to the Dirty Sports Podcast. I am Andy Ruther, coming to you live from the Smut Shack. The new and improved Smut Shack. Oh, snap. I don't know if it's new and improved. With your co-host. With my co-host, Joey. No chill, Prano. You don't know if it's new and improved? You don't like You don't like how this is all turned around on you? You're a very simple man, and I've noticed that, like, you're you're like one of those like loud noises, big changes does not compute. Like you're now facing a different part of the room and you're freaking out, aren't you? Well, there's a lot going on right now. Right, we have thirty members behind the uh, camera now. We we have a control board going on with Trevor and our boy Weebs helping out today, and I'm no longer in any control of the sound. Yeah, I've I've noticed that you have none major control issues like not even a little i'm not sure at this point if you have more anger issues or more control issues it's not you don't have headphones on you don't have control of the sound i feel like you're just looking at trevor being like i need to know what he's looking at i need to know what he's doing well that's why i have an issue with flying people always say people who have problems and freak out over turbulence i don't really think the flight's gonna crash it's control. They say it's my buddy's dad is worth an American forever, American Airlines. He goes, it's control. They say anybody who has problems in the sky, it's control. You got major. We were issues. driving the other day. You you tend to drive um, most places when we go because I have a 1979 Cadillac that gets four miles to the gallon. And you, the other day, I borrowed my lady's Prius. There was a point where you almost leaned over and used my horn for me. You should have used the horn, this idiot. (laughs) Driving down the back of Mildred, Colorado plates. They got no clue where the fuck they're going. You you know, like my dad always taught me. Walt taught me the most important part of the car is the horn. And Walt could not have been more right. (laughs) The most important part of the... Spoken like a true Midwest gentleman. It's not the engine. It's the damn horn. Is your dad like a fucking middle-aged woman? Like, you should see the horn. (laughs) You should see Walt with the horn. Walt is... If let's here's an example. If I go, let's say I go home and I go to church with my family, I'll, I'll go with my parents to keep them happy. We got to get Walt a horn that has different sounds and phrases. Like we'll get him like a loud horn, a soft horn, the angry horn, the light horn, the n word horn. <laughs> like, no, why don't we? No, I, I I think we should get Walt a horn with phrases he says. Yeah, like it'll just go. It's what? It'll go over and out, it just, and just like corny Walt sayings. Yeah. Uh, anyway, yeah, he uses the horn. He taught me the importance of the horn. So the other day, I felt you did not use the horn when you should have, Prano. Because if somebody's driving like a tourist dick bag and we're just trying to get back home, they need to have the horn. Well, I, my my horn use is always, what's your end game? Like, I'll, I'll scare someone with the horn. I'll alert someone with the horn. But this was like, th- the person was so confused so lost it was such a it was such a scared bunny they were driving like such a scared little pet rabbit that i knew the horn was just going to make them freeze up even more it's just going to send them into more more scared and then i was going to have to sit behind somebody's like who's honking at me what's happening you lay the horn on hard you're that bunny you're the tiger you're about to eat that bunny you lay on the horde hard and they makes them run just off into the bushes which aka is them speeding away 
you scare them into pulling down a different street. Well, you use your horn the way you want, and I'll use my horn the way I want. My horn's the biggest bitch horn, because you know, I got that old 2000 Toyota Corolla. When I use the horn, it sounds like a girl queefing. It's, it's the most... I have a 79 Cadillac. My horn sounds like a black guy coming. <laughs> oh, great way to start the show. This yeah. is another Sunday fun day. Uh, I have been partaking in the marijuana again tonight. The feedback has been from the dirt balls. When Ruther is high, Ruther's game is good. <laughs> was that their feedback <laughs> when Ruther's high Ruther's game is good so uh, who wrote this review I who wrote been, this grammatically that incorrect sounds like a high review? thing I would say that was uh, that was the consensus and we have a great show today Joe because later on we interviewed Andrew Hawkins yesterday yes Hawk the Hawk Hawk what a, what a great Twitter and I, Instagram I, feed. N- nothing impressed me more. And the guy was 5'7", played in the NFL. But yeah. nothing about him impressed me more than the fact that he has at Hawk on Twitter. Yeah. Uh, you know, I, m- my cousin, my second cousin or something, stole at Joe Prano before I could get on Twitter. And I was always like, oh, God, I wish I could get it. But then I was like, nah, you know what? I'm at Fix Your Life. It's a long time now. But if I was at Joe, that'd be a whole different story. Like, if I could be at Joe, yeah. I would change tomorrow. Yeah. And whoever at Joe is, I, I guarantee you at Joe has over, like, 200,000 followers just for being at Joe. Andrew Hawkins got a name of a, just a bird that yeah. everyone knows. Hawk. Hawk. Yeah. At Hawk. We didn't even, we didn't have a chance to fully get into that. That's a whole other 10 minutes of the interview. I mean, if you could be at Dent. Oh. <laughs> I wonder who is at Dent. Yeah. Trevor. Well, Trevor looked that up. Trevor, multitasking as we speak. That's what I'm saying. I'm saying camera. This is a, it's a brave new world. I My decision while we were updating the Smut Jack today was Trevor is now at the bridge. Trevor is now the captain of this fucking starship. He has all the control, which I kind of like. I know that you you have, like we've talked about, you have control problems, and I feel like you've kind of coddled Trevor. Trevor is the baby rabbit we were talking about before. No one's ever let him out. You got to let this little birdie fly. Also, I feel like Tr- Trevor's a pressure player. I feel like Trevor plays up to his competition, so just throw him all the pressure in the world, and he's going to deliver. Okay. Otherwise, he's sitting here going like, well, do I turn it on? Do I not turn it on? Well, what until, should I do? Just drink beers? Until we realize that none of this was being recorded. Yeah. And then I lose Trevor, who's at <laughs> Dent? Dent is, it's like a like a building company. Dent creates and supports a community of entrepreneurs, executives, and creatives who are driven to put a dent in the universe. How many followers do they have? They have about 2,500. 2,500. Ruther, you could be at Dent. They're, act, they're active, too. Somewhat active. This is ridiculous. You need to make that. Read, you need read to make, that bio again. You need this to make is, at Dent an offer they can't refuse. This is nothing that the Dents, this is nothing that Andy Ruther, the Dent reporter, any denting stands for. Read, listen to this shit. They're out, of, they're out of Seattle, Washington, by the way. Dent creates, Shout out to CT. <laughs> Dent creates and supports a community of entrepreneurs, executives, and creatives who are driven to put a dent in the universe. I, I, wow. I, I stand corrected. That sounds like everything I'm doing. Yeah. I'm an entrepreneur. I'm creating multiple dents in the universe. Yeah. Uh, I had a dent in my head. It sounds like I should have that. If you just added, also makes Andy Ruther at Andy Ruther's left eye droop, it would be like your bio. <laughs> too soon. Too soon, Prano. <laughs> You know what I learned today? It made me think of you. I watched, and I was telling our boy Weebs, who's here today, about it before uh, we got here tonight. I watched, have you watched the Letterman thing yet? I have not. 
So the first one he did was with Obama. It was okay. Then he did George. It was Clooney. pretty good. The first one was pretty good. It was nice, you know, nice way to kick it off with Obama. Everybody knows I'm not the biggest Obama fan, but I am the world's largest David Letterman fan. Second one, Clooney. Clooney, as a freshman in high school, had Bell's palsy. So you got that going. And spent a lot of time in Cincinnati. So Bell's palsy, Cincinnati, you and George Clooney have a lot in common. Yeah, I, I got That's a about where it ends. No, but. <laughs> no, 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 not at all. But yeah, George Clooney, he's a Northern Kentucky guy. We all, I also am getting that, that peppered gray in my hair. Yeah. So I'm coming along the Clooney train. I... Uh, there's a lot of questions about his. You're, all, you're also it's uh, potentially. I mean, there's a lot of talk that you are the only person who would be a, a worse Batman. So that's yeah. <laughs> you got that going for you. There's also, a lot of questions about Clooney's sexuality. There's been a lot of questions of people. I had one of the other day on DM asking if I was gay. So we have that going for us. Yeah, George Clooney Jr. Basically, he's from Fort Thomas, Kentucky. Mm-hmm. You know, who else is from Fort Thomas. Who's that? Jared Lorenzen. Wow. Pumped out some uh, some favorites of of Northern Kentucky right there. There you go. That's a good that's a good call right there. Yeah. So Prano tonight was the NBA All Star game. It was. It was NBA All Star weekend. Uh huh. And as usual, I find myself like I do every Sunday night All Star weekend saying, "Man, this stuff is awful." In the end, though, that was the best All Star game we've had in a long time. It was. Right, team LeBron James. But did I mean? Did you feel that way in watching it? Like it's still, you know, a a glorified pickup basketball game. But there was a little bit of defensive effort, at least in this game. They kept yeah. saying they're they're playing defense. I was like, they're not playing defense. They're it was just 148 giving one hundred forty eight to one hundred forty five. Yeah, they're just like giving some defensive effort. Yeah. And when's the last time we had a game that came down to the final shot? I think it might have last year. Recently. I don't remember. But, but last year was also like 190 to 185. Yeah. yeah. I don't know. It was a competitive game down the stretch. Yeah. I think the Steph LeBron thing improved the game. I agree. I definitely agree. I think uh, Kevin Hart and Rob Briggle's appearance before the game took away I, was was the complete opposite of the Steph LeBron change. It was it it almost really I almost shut it off before the game even started. Well, let's let's talk about all the stuff non basketball okay. related leading up to the game because there was a lot. Yeah, leading up to tonight's game was some sort of sketch. Are we going to classify it as a sketch? Sure. With Kevin Hart, yeah. Rob Riggle, with appearances by the NBA needs to get off the Kevin Hart boner and sporting. Television in general needs to get off the Rob Riggle boat. Is anybody ever excited to see Rob Riggle doing a sport? Like, is Rob Riggle even a fucking, like, why is he? He's a Fox football guy. He's a TNT basketball guy. Like, what is Rob Riggle doing there? Rob Riggle has mastered connecting with, I think, middle America. Has he? I think so. I think Rob Riggle has the world's best agent. I think Rob Riggle, Rob Riggle is like Zika for comedy and yet somehow he's like on TV every fucking sporting event. Yeah, he's always there. You might be right cuz I being a Midwest guy, I've never heard him be like I love Rob Riggle. I've never heard that sentence. I don't think I don't think anyone's ever said that. Here's a Rob Riggle story. I think for only you. people have ever said Rob Riggle again. That's I mean, that's going to be the title of Rob Riggle's memoirs. Before Daily Show, lots of people forget Rob Riggle got his his like big first break, or I don't like the word break, but his, his like big first Hollywood gig was on The Daily Show. Rob Riggle, when I was a fifth-year senior at St. Louis University, mm-hmm. Horatio Sands, 
it was on SNL at the time, brought a bunch of people for some uh, live improv. He brought Rob Riggle, who at that point, no one knew. Uh, Jerry Minor, remember him? I think yep. he was on SNL for a year or yep. two. Uh, Mad TV, maybe? Yeah. No, he was on SNL for sure. Okay. Who's the guy who always... Who's the guy... Oh, I forget his name. Anyway, he's he's in old school, and he's like... He, Vince Vaughn. No. He was just in that... Will Ferrell. He's just... No, he's not as big. He was just in that movie that, that, that Will Forte talks about with National Lampoon. He plays the boss who, who his company... Never mind. This is going fucking nowhere. <laughs> uh, anyway, a lot of those guys came to my school. Oh, That's yeah. I know you're talking about. Uh, Walsh. Walsh. Yep. Something Walsh. Yeah. Matt Walsh. Matt Walsh. Matt Walsh. So they all came. That's what I'm saying. It's interesting. They came. I saw Rob Riggle in 2005. Yes. Little did I think he would be doing every single event. 13 years later, 12 yeah. years later. And and I feel sort of bad because I feel like I've I've trashed Rob Briggle in the last few minutes, but it's almost not even Rob Briggle's fault. Like somebody needs to tell Rob Briggle what overexposure is. Yeah. I do not need like I'm all he's always put in a position to where like imagine how you would feel about somebody. Like think about the your like your favorite person or your favorite thing. Imagine that that showed up Five for and and every time you're about to get a blowjob, it delayed it five minutes. Like every time you're about to get a blowjob, your best friend walks in. You'd be like, "I fucking hate this dude. Why is he always here?" But like making my blowjob five minutes later. Every time I'm about to watch a football game, I'm like, "Let's get this football game going." They're like, first, we need Rob Riggle to fucking act, do a sketch for ten minutes." I'm like, "I." Don't want you anywhere near me right now. Well, this is going to blow your mind even more. I just, I'm looking at his Twitter feed. Rob Riggle now has a podcast with Sarah Tiana. Great. Riggle's picks with Rob Riggle and Sarah Tiana. With- I mean, I wish Riggle would pick less parts on TV <laughs> before sporting events. It's not hurting him, Prano. He has 1.72 million Twitter followers. So whatever he's doing is clearly working. Now, also, real quick, if that's your if that if that's your standard for success, then yes, he is killing the game. Well, I, I'm just saying, like you're, you're you're shitting on the guy, and I'm just saying, I'm not shitting on the guy. I'm saying, keep him the fuck out of my pregame for can, one sport. Can I have not? I I know Rob Riggle is a fucking Royals fan, and I know he's going to somehow show up during baseball season, and it's going to make me fucking kill myself. Like, can I just get a sporting event without Rob Riggle showing up and delaying it five minutes? Well, it wasn't just Rob Riggle. The, the pregame for the NF, or the NBA uh, All-Star Game tonight, of course, had Kevin Hart, Jamie Foxx, Adam Devine, Ludacris, Queen Latifah, and Rob Riggle. You talk about a, just a... That's like when... You know when you're high yeah. and you don't have much food and you just decide you're going to put mayonnaise on a piece of bread and you got bologna and you might put chips on it and you might put a... a yeah, and then somebody, what, somebody walks in and looks at your sandwich and they go, this sandwich is ludicrous. And they're like, no, this is ludicrous. <laughs> Cue ludicrous. The whole, like, what? The whole thing was weird and awkward and I kept thinking, what's going through their head? Like, what's going through Ludacris's head, Adam Devine's Those, head? I guarantee, they all have the same agent. It's the only, it's the only explanation. But during rehearsal, are they thinking, God, this is embarrassing? Did that seem like they rehearsed it? <laughs> they had to have rehearsed it. I don't know that they did. And for the record, I like Kevin Hart. I like him, and I think he's, I think he's, obviously he's killing it. But yeah, he just, he doesn't sleep. And he's, and he's at every All-Star weekend. 
Yeah. It's like, dude, there are other black celebrities. Like, we do, like, does it have to be Kevin Hart? Kevin Hart's literally the last black celebrity that would ever make it in the NBA. Kevin Hart is four foot six. Why is, why is Kevin Hart talking about basketball? Well, it's, but it's not just, it's not just today that was a disaster. Yesterday, let's talk about that for a minute. The slam dunk contest, mm-hmm. I had no clue they were doing this. I don't know if you did. The judges for the slam dunk contest were. Mark Wahlberg. Mark Wahlberg. Yep. DJ Khaled, who they introduced. If you guys, if you missed it, they introduced him as DJ Khaled. They said one of the biggest personalities on Snapchat. His introduction was a Snapchat plug. Yeah. And Chris Rock, who has a Netflix special out now. Right. So they had Chris Rock, Mark. And Dr. J. Dr. J and Lisa Leslie. Yeah. Dr. J looked up and down the panel and was like, Lisa Leslie, Mark Wahlberg, Chris Rock, and DJ Khaled. I'm literally the only person judging this dunk contest who has ever touched a basketball rim. <laughs> Mark Wahlberg, I think, put it up, like touched a basketball rim once before the contractor that he hired put it up in his backyard. DJ Khaled, he I ate, mean. He ate a basketball yeah. rim. That's what he did. I tweeted out from Dirty Sports. By the way, Lisa Leslie, more career dunks than Wahlberg, Khaled, and Chris Rock combined. I think she dunked once. Yeah. I don't know if Wahlberg, uh, Khaled, and Chris Rock equal a 10-foot rim all standing on each other's shoulders. No, absolutely not. I don't think DJ Khaled, Chris... I don't think DJ Khaled, Chris Rock, Mark Wahlberg, and the Asian guy that Mark Wahlberg blinded when he was a teenager together could touch a basketball rim. Too soon. Too soon, (laughs) Prano. Too soon to call out Mark Wahlberg's hate crimes. Say hello to your doctor for me. But take away the judges. Mm-hmm. It was a very good, entertaining dunk contest, I thought. Are you, have you been smoking DJ Khaled? What, what are you talking about? I thought it was pretty good. I thought it was horrible. Was it bad? The, so the, <laughs> so the dunk contest now is guys dressing up as other dunkers and doing dunks we've literally already seen? But the, the guy who won the dunk contest dressed as Vince Carter. He's not related to Vince Carter. He's not even on the Toronto Raptors. He just put on an old Vince Carter jersey and did a worse version of a Vince Carter dunk that we saw 20 years ago. Dude, I'll give these guys some credit. How many dunks can these guys do? I, I mean, I'm serious. Uh, the, the creativity level, that's all I'm saying. Like, I know Trevor probably wants to say something on this because, okay, he doesn't apparently. I, I, I just think, dude... You can't reinvent the wheel every goddamn year. That's why I'm saying I was entertained enough. Yeah, it makes no sense that you know you're putting on a jersey of a team that you don't play for, or even when Larry Nance Jr. starts out with his you know his dad in a that was Suns okay. jersey. No, his dad was it was a Cavs jersey. Larry Nance was traded to the Cavs. No, he put it on the Suns. That that was what confused me. He had a yeah. Phoenix jersey on. He Is started, that what? Yeah, because his dad played for the Cavs. He comes out for the Suns. He played dad, for both. And yeah, his, but and he, his dad won the dunk contest as a as, as a, a son. son. As a son. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So he put on the Suns jersey. Well, like, he's still doing an homage to his dad. Yeah. He had the socks on. He had the old jersey on. That's fine. Okay. If if you know Jalen Brown, who now plays for the fucking Celtics and wears number seven, I think, or whatever, comes out and does a D Brown dunk. Yeah. Okay. I see the loose affiliation there. Donovan Mitchell plays for the Utah Jazz, put on a Toronto Raptors jersey, 
and did a worse version of Vince Carter's dunk from 20 years ago. But what do you want is my question. Well, Donovan Mitchell also came up with the idea of throwing one off a second backboard to himself. That was cool. That was cool. What I didn't like was the dunk. I was confused because Kevin Hart's so short. He's jumping over Kevin Hart, Kevin Hart's son, and then his sister. Yeah. Like why, and all the announcers were saying that. Why is Kevin Hart ducking? Kevin Hart's four foot six. Yeah. Nate Robinson jumped over Dwight Howard. Dwight Howard's seven feet tall. Yeah. And, and he had Kevin Hart duck. What I wanted to happen was this. DJ, DJ Khaled to eat Kevin Hart while Donovan Mitchell jumps over him. Well, that, you know, we were talking about to Zach Harper the other day, and he's like, I like the dunk contest, and I think there's dunk, uh, you know, good dunkers in it this year. And I was like, you do? You, like, you, lo- you think the dunk contest is still working? My, my answer is, and people keep, you know, um, people are freaking out about it, but they're always saying, you know, the big guys tend to dunk like have a little bit more that they can do with the dunks. The little guys who get in there, they're exciting throughout the year because they're dunking in game. You're like, dude, look at the way that dude elevated and dunked on somebody. That's why my answer is put somebody out there to fucking dunk on. Let me, you want it to me. The best part about dunks are when somebody gets dunked on. Yeah. Let's get somebody fucking dunked on. I say, let's get teammates participating in the dunk contest and they're coming down and they're fucking like LeBron and Larry Nance Jr. dunking on DeAndre Jordan. That's interesting to me. I like that, but I think we should take it one step further. You know, the NBA cares. Yep. The NBA cares about dunking on you. So you get some like poor little kid from like the projects and he gets to meet his, you know, favorite basketball players of all time. And he gets to get posterized by them at the same time. Sure. As long as somebody's getting dunked on. Okay, cool. Honestly, put the judges' table under. Let DJ Cali get dunked on. Yeah. Let Mark Wahlberg get dunked on. Somebody needs to get dunked on. Yeah. That's interesting to me. Then having the short guys, and it makes sense. Because gotcha. you're like, oh, man, he just dunked on a guy way bigger than him. I just think... The- put Perzingis under the basket. Dunk on Perzingis. Or get shit blocked. Yeah. You're not winning the dunk contest if he blocks your shit. Put fucking, you know... Give me, give me Anthony Davis under there. Put the and, then, uh, and then, and then let me see Dennis Smith Jr. dunk on him. And I also, you might get LeBron to enter the. If you said that chick from Fox News, what was her name? Who was talking shit to LeBron this week? Yeah, if you Laura put, Ingram, Laura Ingram. If you put her, say, hey, LeBron, you can dunk all over and you can get your big old balls all over her face. Hey, he might re-enter the dunk contest. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, I'm feeling this. I like this dunk, the dunk on someone contest. Yeah. We should do this in Venice Beach. We should let what's what what's what's the best dunk you've ever seen in a game or a contest? What's what's the best dunk you've ever seen? I, Trevor, a, do you have a do you have a submission for greatest dunk you've ever seen? The Vince Carter, the Olympics. The Vince Carter jumping over a seven foot dude in the Olympics. Yeah, that's up there. My favorite, being a Warriors fan, is <clears throat> Jason Richardson between the legs, dunking to win okay. the, to win it. That's always been my favorite. Had that slam poster hanging up. So I had I had a poster on my wall as a kid that was just called the dunk. John Starks lefty dunked on the entire Bulls team. Yeah, I know. Like, I know that one. The du- fucking Vince Carter jumping over a dude. Fucking, uh, you know, Kevin Johnson dunking on Olajuwon. Like, yeah. The best dunks of all time are people getting dunked on. Okay. Remember when Sean Bradley got fucking dunked on? Which time? All of them? <laughs> exactly. That's my point. 
That's got to feel great dunking on a Mormon, a seven foot skinny white Mormon. That's you, you talk about you, as a black guy. The, like there's there's no better other white person to dunk on than a seven foot skinny white Mormon, right? Yeah. That's like boom. Tell me how my dick tastes. What's going on in my hallway tonight? Hey, hose. Can I say that? Is it? Can you say hose now? They probably saw from outside lights set up here, and they think you're running a fucking porn studio. Yeah, that's why I said it. That's why I just yelled out, "Hey, hose." I, I don't know what's going on in this setup. I tonight. mean, Ruther, with, with the Me Too movement, I don't think you can just yell "Hey, hose!" anymore. <laughs> <laughs> See what happens, Trevor. A, you give is me this a, a Lumineer song. You give me a little of that vape pen, Trevor, and suddenly I'm calling girls hose. I'm honking horns. I'm setting up porn. It's a new age for DSPN. I'm just saying this is this is a step, and we're gonna take those baby steps to take it to the next level. Can't wait. You know what that is, Chevelli? Are you listening? I'll just do I'll just do a one man show, Prano. You don't have to talk. I'll handle it. We'll just I'll go Bill Burr style over here. How how would you guys like that, dirt balls? Just me, just old Denty over here, old Drupai, just doing <laughs> just doing some rants. Talking about the All Star Game, talking about the outfits were not as out they were not as out of control this year. I'll give them that. There was not. That's as long as I can go. Before I stumbled on my words, that's as long as I could have gone. <laughs> I'll go full Bill, Bill Burst. I'll do forty five seconds <laughs> of incoherent All Star rambling. Three point contest though. I didn't get to watch that. It was I, good. I was watching. I so I had a show out in like Beaumont. Which is in the middle of fucking nowhere. I've done that California. show, the Sand it, Trap. Yeah, I had no idea that you go out there and you're in fucking Arkansas. Yeah, like the the name Trump came up and people were like freaking out, like don't talk about our boy. I was yeah. like, where am I? How long a drive was that to get there? It, like on the way out, it was like almost two and a half hours. The way back, it was like hour and a half. The last time I did that show, it was was it packed? Yeah, yeah, it's packed. Every seat full. Every seat. The last time I did that room, uh, this was pre denting, and I was just you know in the Ruther whore days. There were these two like divorced chicks who came up afterwards. Again, I don't think whores is a <laughs> this is a PC term anymore. My whore days. Oh, your whore days. Got it. Yeah, when I, I can I can own that. Back when I was being a whore. Anyway, uh, these two like divorced like cougars came up to me after the show and were trying to get me to they were trying to get me to Riverside with them. Yeah, and that was the debate uh, with all the comics. Ostroff was on that show. The debate was: Is Ruther going to risk? Like a two hundred dollar Uber ride to bank like two nasties in Riverside. How did you get there? Well, we all you, rode together. All you, the you rode with somebody, and then you were you were considering ditching them to go in a car with chicks to Riverside, and then just figure out how to get yourself home the next day. Yeah, wow. and we looked it up, and it was like a two hundred dollar Uber ride. And they're like, Ruther, they're, look at these girls. It was one of those. Look at these girls. Is that worth two hundred dollars? Well, I, you know, I have a joke. I've been trying. I've been, I have a joke about Uber that I've been mixing into my set lately. So I checked last night when I was there. I was like, I wonder if they even have Uber out here because I was like, I, I wonder. So I looked up. I looked to see if there was an Uber, and there wasn't. It said like it said if you call an Uber right now, it'd be twenty four minutes for an Uber to get here. And uh, I started talking to the guys about it after. I was like, I didn't do this joke I had because like you guys barely have Uber. He's like, Yeah, there's uh, there's two Ubers in town. And he goes, uh, One is uh, this creepy dude that all the women refuse to ride with when they see him come up, so they'll just cancel the ride. And the other one is some fucking angry Latina girl who has like a GMC Yukon. And he said everybody loves her because like when you start walking, out, she's like, Get in the car, I got places to go. <laughs> and he's like, But you have to put up with it because the other guy is probably a. Racist. 
rapist. I love that there's two Ubers yeah, in town. and they know who they are. Yeah. That's insane. But you're right. People don't realize that if you just go, like you're saying, two and a half hours east of L.A., you might as well be in a cornfield in Iowa. Yeah. Because it's that same, now way more Mexicans, but it's that same type of clientele of Absolutely. like, Trump, yeah. America. Uh, anyway, I did watch the three-point contest, and um, Devin Booker. I, I took Devin Booker. Set a record. I believe 28 points he got in the final round. He couldn't miss. And he, he beat Clay Thompson. And the, the max is what, 30? No. It's, uh, well, they have a whole rack of money balls. Oh, they have a whole rack. Right. They now they have a whole rack, rack of money balls now. Right. Got it. So that's like 36 or something like that. So if that's three just on five balls, yeah, that's 15 points there. But, dude, he looked great. And it was competitive. And... You know, obviously Clay was the big favorite, but Devin Booker just caught fire. And I and, thought and was there any was there any disastrous showings in the uh Oh uh, Paul George that? was bad. I sent that gif of Carlton from Fresh Prince where he completely airballs it, the final yep, shot. Yep, yep. I put that on dirty sports. Uh GIF, I should say. I think that's the correct term now. But yeah, Paul George was really bad. Uh, he might have been the worst, I don't know. There was a few bad guys. I saw guys. Trevor took Bradley Beal, and then I, I saw soon after that he regretted that decision. What happened there, Trevor? I forget. What did Bradley Beal do? Did he just uh, eat it? He didn't do. He actually didn't do that bad. He didn't make it past the first round, but he was one of the one of the final cuts to not make it. Yeah, he, it wasn't a great pick, but but that went smoother. I felt like the three point contest, the Taco Bell Skills Challenge, which goes before that. There wasn't the bullshit fanfare, and then they got to the dunk contest, and they you know. Wheel out DJ Khaled, you know, just in a fucking wheelchair. She can't, right. he can't even walk because he's yeah. so goddamn fat. They need to fix the dunk contest. They got to fix it. Yeah. Let Prano dunk contest commish. Is that well, too long a hashtag? Yeah, that might be a long one. Just let me commish. I'll make sure the dunk contest gets taken care of. Now, I talked about going to the event. We talked about going to one of the events. We had SeatGeek we were mm-hmm. looking at the other day. Yep. But... The tickets, you know, it's L.A., it's celebrities. We didn't go. Well, we didn't want to go Friday because we had we had an engagement Friday already. And yeah. then uh, yesterday I was out of town for the show at the Sand Trap. And then here we are on Sunday. We didn't. We obviously didn't go to the All-Star game. That would have, that would have been a, a tough ticket. But like I said, I, I was looking at SeatGeek. I want to go see the Las Vegas Golden Knights. That's right. When we're, we're in, in Vegas. town, go catch an NHL what, game. Uh, what, what are the dates that we're in Vegas? Because, again, I'm, I'm saying I'm going to put myself up in about... 90, I might say a solid 90% now that I'll be there. So what are those dates so that if in case dirtballs want to uh, Stock come us out to Vegas? Yeah. And be weird? And yeah. just give, give the awkward handshake with the dirtball? Okay. We're if gonna, dirtballs want to show up and tell you you're a douche. <laughs> yeah, I would love that, actually. I would love that. Uh, March 14th, which is a Wednesday through, we'll come back to 17th. Got it. So anyway, yeah, I was looking at tickets on SeatGeek for a Golden Knights game, and I think me, you, Goldberg, we go Wednesday night. We see the Goldberg game. Knights. Yeah, the Goldberg Knights. We see a game Wednesday night, and uh, I'm sure Goldberg is. I'm sure, even though it's so easy to use, he probably has not used SeatGeek yet. We'll get. I like that you're just assuming there's a game that Wednesday. Or have you there checked? Is. There's yeah, a game. Yeah. There's a game that Wednesday. I believe they play the New Jersey Devils. Uh, we'll get Goldberg to use because we've already used our twenty dollars right. back. We'll get Goldberg to use it, and it's so easy to use. Dirt balls. 
just I just uh, can't imagine Goldberg at a hockey game. Yeah, it's interference. That's <laughs> <laughs> hooking. So, so guys, everyone gets $20 off their first SeatGeek purchase. Just download the SeatGeek app and enter promo code DIRTY today. That's promo code DIRTY for $20 off your first SeatGeek purchase. So we have another new sponsor tonight, don't we, Ruther? We have a great new sponsor, Joe Prano. Who is our great new sponsor? Honey. Honey. H-O-N-E-Y. Like the Mariah Carey song. Yeah, or like the thing you eat, but it's not. This is a this is a web browser it extension. It is H-O-N-E-Y, though. That is. Okay. You shop online a lot, right? I do. Well, I pretty much exclusively shop online at this well, point. Well, anybody who's listening, if you shop online and you want the best coupons, you need to go to Honey because it's a free browser extension that automatically finds the best coupons on the web, so you always get the best prices and everything. Whoa, whoa, whoa. So I've I've been talking about this for years. I know this is a so essentially, if I am not mistaken, this is like a promo code aggregator. Yes, like you 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 put it on your browser, and then so it's already any, on- anything that you're gonna buy, it'll tell you if there is a promo. Look at you, already have it on your browser. It's already on my browser. I already got some things. We talked about updating the yep. Smut Shack. Look at that, Groupon, Macy's, Coach, eBay, Bloom. Dales, I went on Honey and I bought some frames for some of the stuff we're going to be hanging to decorate the new and improved Smut Shack and the, the how it's going to look. Anyway, the went Smut on Smut Studios. I'm Smut it Studio. Now. Yeah, I went on Honey because it just takes a couple clicks, guys. It's the easiest thing to use. And the last purchase I got was that frame. Yep, thirty percent off on Honey. There's no reason not to add Honey right now to your browser. You see it. It's literally on my browser right now. It's free, guys, and takes seconds to install and will save you tons of money. Add Honey to your browser for free right now at joinhoney.com forward slash dirty. So we get some credit for it. Again, joinhoney.com forward slash dirty. That's it. Joinhoney.com forward slash dirty. I'm going to do it when I get home. Forward slash dirty. I don't know why you wouldn't because it's not like it's taking up anything on your Computer, it's just an extension. I've said this for years. Look at this. A, a, a promo code aggregator. Also, while we're at it, can, you know what else I came up with a while ago? Can I just have one website where I put in the name of a movie or TV show and it tells me where it's streaming? Like it tells me yeah. it's on Amazon, it's on HBO Go, it's on Netflix, it's on multiple places. I'm always I'm looking for something in particular. I got to go through 10 different things. This puts all my promo codes in the same place. Hey, honey, maybe just add a, a streaming aggregator yeah too. We'll, we'll, we'll get there too we have to talk about if somebody wants to work on that app uh with me like also i'm in this i could get in the startup business yeah Bef- anybody's a techie before we have a strong reach actually in san francisco i've looked at the analytics that's what they do while, while all these guys in silicon valley are figuring out the next million they're going to make they yeah. listen to dirty sports before we get to the great interview we had from andrew hawkins a million is not cool ruther you know what's cool Knowing where everything's streaming. Yeah, okay, That's fair enough. Cool. But before we get to the interview with Andrew Hawkins, we got to talk about our experience Friday at the Snoop Dogg Two Chains I, game. I, I, at this point, I'm just exclusively calling him Titty Boy. Like, I don't know how he ever became Two Chains. Like, who bails on Titty Boy? <laughs> I was thinking that while I was there. I was thinking that while I was there, and he was like, he was on the court. I'm like, we really not calling him Titty Boy just yeah. like all the time? I think Rappaport called him Titty Boy at so, one point. So Rappaport was the on-court announcer with Fat Joe. Yeah. So we show Who up. Who I thought was dead. Yeah. He lost some weight. Yeah. Now he's just Joe. <laughs> he's probably the one who has at Joe now. <laughs> Fuck. Oh, that's great. So 
after some hassle, it was not easy to get in there. Right. Should we describe all that? I mean, it was it was a shit show. It was a shit show. We had to go. We had to go. We we got there. Then we had to leave, and we had to go to Will Call. Will Call was a mile and a half away from the event. Yeah, never been to an event where Will Call is not on site, and obviously every street was packed. So we thought I thought we could walk it. I didn't realize how far it was. You're like, we got to take an Uber. Then we show up to the Will Call, and the Will Call is packed. Yeah, like media people were waiting in the Will Call line. Yeah. So this is a few miles away from Staples Center. Uh, so then we finally get back. Guy got us in. Yep. So we got into the game. So we and could, the game was packed. Game like was you couldn't, packed. You, you weren't even allowed. Basically, they, the game was at capacity. But we guy got us in. We got connections. Former guest of the show. Yeah, love guy. So guy got us in. Director of Joe Prano takes the stand. Yeah. Available now on Vimeo on demand. Good plug right there. <laughs> so guy got us in, and we were on the court, which was funny because we're right on the court. There's a lot of NBA players by us standing in front of us. And the whole time, you're a tall guy. Yeah. And that was the joke was like, oh, great. I have a perfect view. I'm right by seeing you know Snoop Dogg shoot a free throw. Oh, no, wait, I can't. Swaggy P is in front of me and his goddamn hair. I can't see a damn thing. Yeah. I had a great view. You had a great, I had a great view. view of the single worst basketball game I've ever seen. The worst game ever. The worst game not played by children that I've I've ever witnessed. And I've witnessed I've this is not my first charity basketball game I watched. It's not the first time I mean, you go down in Venice Beach here. I mean, the first ten minutes that we were there, there was like two baskets scored. Yeah. You, you, you get it was laughs bad. accidentally sometimes. Well, what do you expect from yeah. those rappers? But I mean they were all they were literally they were everybody was smoking weed on the bench. Yeah. Here's here's who are some of the guys who could play? Chris Brown's all right. Chris Brown could play a little bit. Chris Brown could play. Little Dicky could play a little bit. Little Dicky. Little Dicky had hustling hard. Yeah. Rappaport was killing him. Yeah. He's killing his hair. Yeah. Um uh, uh who's my boy who did Coco, Trevor? Uh, OT Genesis. He he was he, good. He canned a couple threes while he, we were he there. He canned a couple he threes. He came in for a little run. Uh Can we talk about how fat the game is now? Yeah. So so Rappaport made fun. So the game, and again, it's interesting when you're like right next to these guys. Yeah, Fat Joe is now just Joe, yeah. and the game is now big fat game. game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, the big game. The big game, because the game, I don't know what he was wearing, but the game had a full-on like oversized hoodie underneath his basketball jersey, because I don't think he wanted to show everybody how fat he was. Yeah, he, you know he has a teardrop tattoo? Yeah. And now it looks like a blown-up bubblegum tattoo. <laughs> like, like the giant fucking bubble on his face. And the game didn't play that much. No. Because I think he was going to go into cardiac arrest because yeah, yeah. he's so damn fat. He just sat on the, uh, on the bench smoking weed. But yeah, it was the worst basketball game ever. It was funny seeing these guys play. Snoop got it. It was funny because Snoop at one point was talking a lot of shit. Snoop blocked somebody's shot. Yeah. It was all up in his face, and I'm like, bro, come on. It's it's like it's like blocking a child shot and then talking shit. Yeah. It, it was pretty bad. But the highlighter for the event for the event for me was again, we're standing there, we're right on the court. All these guys are actually Eric Gordon was standing right by us. Yeah. I kept saying that. You know, maybe that's why he lost the three point competition. He was standing within five feet of me. He got that Ruther bad juju. Anyway. All of a sudden, I feel elbows in my back, and I'm like, what the fuck? And it's Prano elbowing me and walks right by us, literally right by us, Odell Beckham Jr., Yeah, and the smile on Prano's face. Well, first of all, like, not forget the fact that he's a New York Giant and, you know, arguably one of the three best receivers in football, and he's – but he's beyond, like – 
he's beyond a celebrity at this point. Like, if Des Bryant had walked in, it wouldn't have just been the fanfare for me. I mean, did you see how he walked in and the whole place changed? Like, yeah. it wasn't just me as a Giants fan with a fucking Odell Beckham, you know, Odell Black Jesus boner. Yeah. Like, Rappaport was like, I see you, Odell Beckham. Like, yeah. the dude is like a fucking straight up sensation. Well, I think it's a lot of it's his look. You know, he walked in with a whole posse. Yeah. I mean, how many? I mean, he walked in with like 12 dudes. He walked in with 12 dudes right by us. Yeah. And. You were so happy, just the smile. You're- I mean, it was dope. He walked like, you were like, okay, who are we going to see here? Are we going to see athletes? Are we going to see fucking rappers? Are we going to see, you know, whatever? I mean, Odell Beckham's a good spotting. Yeah. And he walked right by us. Yeah, right by us. And then he tried to sit down inconspicuously, but then Rappaport called him out, which was pretty funny. Yeah, he tried to sit down inconspicuously with 12 security guys leading him. He walked in 100% around the entire court. You see he ended up sitting almost right yeah. back where he entered? Yeah. But at first he had to do a loop and cause mayhem. Yeah, exactly. Nobody gave a shit about Snoop at that point. No. The girls, wow. I will say this event, some very good-looking women. Yeah. And I didn't get one number. No. <laughs> Even though I fucking was Gretzkying you, you in, were. The, in the will call line. You I was were. basically I was just putting assists in front of the goal and then you were fucking sending them into the stands. Oh man, I was bad. I was bad. That one cute girl in town. Yeah, I was really bad. She worked for Adidas. Yeah. She was like she was like talking about how she wanted to move to LA, how she wanted to move to Venice by the beach. I kept leaving you and I kept coming back and you were still having the same fucking conversation as where I left. You're like, Yeah, we got a podcast, pretty cool. We talk about all kinds of sports. I'm like, no, shut the fuck up about your fucking podcast. I did not bro. tell her about the podcast. I sh- she didn't say she wanted to move here. She was saying that's great about the weather. But you're right. She was very into Venice Beach because I was saying, today was such a great day. It would have been a great day for the beach. Pathetically, I didn't even get her name. I just, everything, I thought I had more time. Hold on. I thought I had more time. Peanut gallery back here. I thought I had more time. And then suddenly we got our wristbands. You needed a wristband to get in and then it needed to be activated. This was some weird setup. Suddenly it just, boom, we had to go. So I wasn't going to do like a dumb and dumber, like, goodbye, my love, you know, as I reached out of the limo. Yeah, you should have just been like, yo, we got our wristbands, we're out of here, good luck in the fucking media line. Anyway, if you want to come out and hang out in Venice Beach, here's my number. Yeah. At Andy Ruther on Instagram, sliding into those DMs, girl. Yeah, exactly. Well, I didn't do it. Dropped the ball. And I didn't hit on any black girls like I thought I would at the event. Then there, then you were like, you were even talking about it. You are like, I'm trying to find Nubian Princess in this, literally like the S at the end, a Nubian princess wasn't even out of your mouth, and this girl walks by. I'm like, there you go. And you're like, too much for me. You literally said, you go, no, that's, that's, yeah. too, much for, that's, that's too much for me. And that's the thing. like black. What I like about black, black girls, you have to show confidence around black girls. And normally, I can be... Especially when you're at an event where 30 rappers are playing basketball and multiple NBA guys are walking around. You have to show a hell of a lot of confidence to pick up a black girl at that event. That's what I'm saying. You have, so, to, be, you have, to, be, have Yeezys coming out your asshole. Like, I've had no problem, like, hitting on black girls or picking up black girls in the past. But, like you said, that's why I was like, no way. Too much for me. Because at this I would have been like, yo, you want to go see Black Panther tonight? That that would have been your move? move. Yeah. That would have been your move? Yeah. She probably already saw it, man. (laughs) I mean, I'm just just being honest. Like, you know, at that point, it was was 6 o'clock, like... Dude, I'm telling you, black people were getting up at like 8 a.m. to 6 o'clock on Friday. Literally, 80% of black people in the country had seen Black Panther at that point. That's what I'm saying. That that fucking, and I tweeted this out. This might have been the best weekend ever for the history of the black race. 
the Black Panther and the NBA All-Star Weekend. Yeah. Right? Is that racist? I'm just saying props to black people. And then Kevin Hart came and ruined the whole thing. Yeah. That's what I said pregame. I'm like, Kevin Hart took away all the fucking progress yeah, yeah. that was just made. Exactly. People are going, I don't need to ever see Kevin Hart again. I know. It's terrible. But it was, it was a fun event to see. It was a fun event to be at live. And holy shit, sneakerheads, though. That's a whole new thing I was not, you know, I'd never seen, basically. I mean, usually, yeah. I mean, if you, you, you don't really see it in person a lot unless you go to those, like, yeah. sneaker drops or, like, the fucking, you know, those stores where people line up outside. But this was basically an entire event built around getting sneakerheads to wait in line. Yeah, because it was sponsored by Adidas. So people were waiting in line, long lines. Just to scan their wristband to see if they got free shoes. Yeah, crazy. So let's get to the Andrew Hawkins interview. Okay. But before we do this, I want to say as I look into the camera, look how fresh my shave is today, Joe Prano. It's pretty fresh. Fresh and clean. Harry's razors always got my back. The only you razor- shave your back too. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, I shave my back too. Exactly. Harry's razors. I use it for anything that I shave in my body. It looks like you need some Harry's right now. I do. I do. I'm growing it out. You know, it's pilot season. Got some things we're working on. Well, I love so Harry's. I got to let it grow for a minute, but whenever that's over, Harry's, that's the razor of They're choice. the best because they stripped out the unnecessary features. We all have these, these gimmicky razor blades, razor handles, none of that. The unnecessary cost, they cut all that stuff out, guys, and they're so confident you're going to love their blades that they will give you their trial set for free when you sign up at harrys.com forward slash dirty just pay for shipping so claim your free trial offer today from harry's a 13 dollars value joe prano for free when you sign up just cover shipping the free trial set includes a weighted ergonomic razor handle five precision engineered blades with a lubricating strip and trimmer blade rich lathering shave gel a travel blade cover so to get all this just go to get that free trial set at harrys.com forward slash dirty. That's harrys.com forward slash dirty. And oh my God, I crushed that ad read I, while I, being stoned. I, I just imagine people coming across our harrys.com forward slash dirty page after putting razor blades into honey and just getting directed to the dirty sports deal. Look at that. Synergy between Man. our two sponsors. Stay woke, fam. Stay woke. That's, Stay woke. that's what's going on there. See, this is... <laughs> The, it was the best, just minutes ago, Ruth said, the best weekend for black people in history, and then he's saying, stay woke. I think you single-handedly ruined that for them. And I said fam on the end, too. Yeah. Well, let's get to the interview with Andrew Hawkins, which, again, was a great interview. He gives us some great insight into his career, into you know what it's like to play in the NFL, play with some great players. So let's get to it. Joe, I'm very excited for our guest today. I've been harassing this poor guy nonstop <laughs> to get him on our show since I met him a couple months ago. Seven-year NFL vet, two-time Grey Cup. Two-time Grey Cup champ. Champ, ESPN analyst, actor, current host of the Tomahawk I like Show. I like He's that. doing it all. Andrew Hawkins, welcome to the Dirty Sports Podcast. Appreciate you guys having me. Appreciate it. And it wasn't you weren't, you weren't nagging me. I just wanted it. I understood the potential of this interview. So I wanted it to be the best it could be, and I didn't think phone did it justice. Oh, yeah, absolutely. We, it's great having you here. I know Andy was a little bit extra excited because we always take pictures after the show uh -huh. with athletes, and he he said it multiple times this morning. He's like, this will be the first time I'm taller than our guest. Yes. <laughs> nothing nothing and, against you, Hawk. No, it's, hey. Yeah. 
certainly nothing against there's you. A, you have to pick your, your reasons to be special, and that just happens to be the reason why I'm special. I'm extremely short for a professional athlete. I mean, it's incredible. Like, yeah. I, I want to start there. <laughs> You're incredibly like, short. Yeah, yeah no, man, no, it's, but it's, it, it's you know, amazing. A lot of people, a lot of people always, I'm one of those guys. I mean, I'm 6'4", right. and, you know, 100, you know, probably 185, 190 pounds. Uh-huh. I'm like, oh, I'm a wide receiver build. Like, if only I was fast. If only I had <laughs> athletic ability. You know what I mean? But you're a guy like when I watch you play, it was like amazing that you're a kind of guy who makes me feel like I, you have no excuses. You're five. Yeah. You know how tall are you? Five seven. Five seven, man. I mean, to play in the NFL at wide receiver, yeah, at that size is incredible in itself. No, I mean it was like that's you're the you're the best athlete. You yeah, know what I mean? Exactly. That's how it works. Exactly. That's how I like to think about it. It's like I'm. That means I'm even better than the huge yeah, guy because exactly. it was that much harder for me to make it happen. If AJ Green ran your routes yeah, and had be, your speed, it would have been a whole different world. A whole different world. A whole different world. Well, that's why I was excited when I met you because being a guy from Cincinnati, uh-huh. you got to play. I mean, you played, and I, I somehow forgot that. I forgot some of the guys. Of course, I knew AJ Green, but. On, on that 2014 Bengals team, yes, it was you. Listen to this wide receiver core, Prano. 2013 20, Bengals team. Okay, 2013. That's yep. right. 2014 playoffs. Yep. It's Hawk, AJ Green, Muhammad Sanu. Mm-hmm. You had uh, Marvin Jones. Marvin Jones. I've heard of all of those guys. I mean, that's just the, that. just the receiving core. Imagine that. That's nuts to think about. To the like right now, because and at the time it wasn't like no. We thought that as a as a core. It was like, man, we're pretty good. Like, there's really not much drop off, and we kind of have every kind of receiver you want. We had like the physical guy yeah. and the shorthanded guy who could play in and out with with Mo. We had Marvin outside, speed guy can run all the routes, and pr- probably should be a number one guy. We had the future Hall of Famer in AJ Green that we kind of all knew early on that he was that kind of guy. You got me, who is the short, quick slot guy, and we were like, yo, we're special. We felt like more people. Should have been talking about us, and they weren't, and we never got the credit. Well, now you, there's not enough cap in any of the teams to right. get that kind of core together in the NFL. Yeah, so we kind of underachieved a little bit, you know, <laughs> not by any. I mean, you guys, it wasn't our fault, but yeah. but it, you, you guys were all young, and yeah. uh, and now you see the, all those guys move on to other teams and be more exactly. like head guys, and you're like, wow, exactly those four now. I always love, you know, thinking about receiving cores like that. Like mm-hmm. you guys being in practice together. Yeah. Like when when you're in a game, like you said, people look across the league and they're like, "Yeah, they're they're sneaky good or whatever." But when you're in practice, uh-huh. what's it like when you have four guys? You're all kind of still competing for yeah. snaps and catches and looks and all that. Like, are you competing? You know, it, it was weird. In, like usually, it is. I've I've been in like teams where. Not not that guys don't like each other, but it's a business. It's like when there's only one CEO or there's only one position for the, the chief operating officer, like there's like a competition. Like it's either me or you kind of thing. And that's that's how it is in football. You can only be there can only be one number one receiver. Yeah. There can only be, you know, one guy who was getting the majority of the ball. But we didn't have that. Like our thing was when we came in and we knew relatively quickly not only what kind of talent we had, but the personalities. Like they were great guys. In Cincinnati you know, you come from a, a world of the Ocho Cinco's, the TOs, the guys that are like, I don't want to call them me guys because it's not it, but they they have a little chip. They're a little diva. They're a little. There's some ego there. They're superstars, and they should yeah. be. Sometimes you need that as a football player. But we were like four family guys who had wives and kids, and we didn't go out. And like, 
we would get done with OTA practices at one and we'd be in the facility till seven just sitting around talking or shooting hoops or lifting. And my brother who played for the Bengals back in the, the Ocho days and, you know, the wild, wild west of Cincinnati days. Oh, poor Artrell, man. He was like, yo, this is the most boring receiving core I've ever seen. Like, <laughs> you guys like, would... Somebody needs to change their name exactly, to the pronunciation like, of a Spanish number. Was it, your brother... Your brother was after the Carl's Pickin, Carl Pickens days? He played with Carl Pickens. Oh, he played with Carl. He played with okay. Carl Pickens, the early Ocho Cinco days. The, he, came, he was in from 98 to 2003, maybe, which was Marvin's first year. You guys need statues in Cincinnati simply for playing for the Bengals. <laughs> yeah. I mean, what's because, you know, being a guy from Cincinnati, and I think we talked about this when I met you on the Now We're Talking set, uh-huh. that game, that's when I just stopped. That's when you and gave it I, up. But that's the thing. I had been out here, what, I had been out here seven years, yeah. and I, I have such issues with Mike Brown, the Bengals owner. Yeah. And then that game, I was actually in Cincinnati. You guys lose to the uh-huh. Chargers. You know, tough game. Dalton has three turnovers. And I remember I was so critical of Dalton. I've been, I'll just be honest. I've been critical of Dalton. Right. And you, when I met you, you were like, you put more of that on John Gruden. Or I'm sorry. For Jay, that game. Jay Gruden. Yeah. And Jay is my guy. But okay. if I was going to err on the side of that game, it was the it was the game plan. Um, not that it was the whole game plan's fault. I used to tell Andy. And he's gotten better. And people were hard on Andy in Cincinnati. And I get it. It's football. Like, if you're not the best, or it doesn't matter if you're the best. Because people were critical of Tom Brady. Sure. People will, you know, say Tom Brady cost the Super Bowl because he dropped that pat. You know, like that's yeah. just sports. But back then, I used to tell Andy, like, "Yo, man, you gotta, you gotta start throwing your weight around here. You're the quarterback, but you know, you're you're taught in football, like, do as the coaches tell you, and that's good to be a team guy. But at some point, you have to start not only taking ownership and not just when it's your quote unquote fault, but like being proactive about it. So I would tell him we would go into games where he might not like a play, right? Jay might love a play or you know, Hugh or whatever, whoever the offensive coordinators might love a play. And Andy on a Monday would be like, yeah, I don't feel good about that play. Tuesday, I don't I don't feel good about that play. We run it Wednesday, doesn't look great. Thursday, he's iffy on it, whatever. My thing was like, yo, Andy, throw the play out. Well, they want to, I don't care who wants to run the play. You're the quarterback. Because when you throw a pick six, no one's going to say, oh, man, he didn't like that play on Monday. Because nobody knows that. Yeah. So if you're not comfortable with the play, why the hell are we running it? Yeah. Like, I don't care what they... They'll get pissed off at you, but they'll be happy we're winning games because you're running plays you're comfortable with. Um, and, you know, he was just young in that in that time and doing whatever was was asked of him because that's just his personality. And I always wanted him to be like, yo, you got to think more about yourself because sometimes, like, you get this, the stigma of being selfish, but sometimes thinking about yourself actually helps helps the team. And we were just early on in that process and in that game and in that year... Where sometimes he just wouldn't be comfortable with things, um, and there is, a, and it's not, it's not really Jay's fault because Jay is an offensive coordinator. I want to run the plays I'm comfortable with that I think you're best at, and then Andy. But you, ultimately, you're the one taking the snaps. So, if, and it's if, also you got to be on the same page too. Yeah, like, and it's it, tough. It's, a play is destined to fail if people are tentative about it. Exactly, and you know the last thing a quarterback can do is kind of get that that being gun shy. Right and plays and they're not gonna they're not gonna work. So I, I wouldn't put that. I think the Cincinnati fan base in general is harder on Andy Dalton than they should be. You think? And, and maybe it's because I also grew up a Bengals fan. Yeah. And I remember the two win seasons and the three win seasons and the you know starting two and zero then dropping fourteen straight and them not knowing which way is up. And I've heard the stories about you know guys playing drunk, you know, or uh, you know guys not giving a damn about football, not training at all in the entire off season, like deciding you know what I'm not gonna come back till camp. And I don't think 
that's the climate. Sometimes you get, you know, kind of a spoil of riches. Now that we go to the playoffs five years in a row, it's like, man, Andy can't win the big one. Yeah. But you don't think about the fact that you were crying yourself to sleep when Carson Palmer was threatening retirement. And, oh, there's no way Andy Dalton's going to help. We're going to – we suck again because it, Carson Palmer's not coming to camp. Do you think, though, the situation in Cincinnati, obviously, like you're saying, people forget the awful days that I vividly remember as a right. kid. Mm-hmm. And then Marvin Lewis takes the team to the next level to, yeah. to a perennial playoff team. But, obviously, Marvin hasn't been able to then take them to the next step. Don't you think it's just one of those things where Marvin changed the culture, changed the climate – but they need someone else in there to then take them to the next level. Because after that that Pittsburgh game, uh-huh. don't you know? From my perspective, would be like you just you need a change. It's nothing yeah. personal against Marvin, right? Because we're coming on what 25, 26, 27 years. Uh-huh. I mean, it's the point. I just don't think that the Bengals are ever going to win a playoff game. Yeah, no, and I understand. I get the, the the perspective on that. But my my. I guess me going from Cincinnati to Cleveland, and I love Cleveland. I love the people, a part of Cleveland organization. Like, it's a tough years there, but the grass isn't always greener. Yeah. So you can try to say, you know, Marvin, yes, he's changed the culture. It's time to go to the next step. What's the next step? How do you know the next step isn't 2-14 and 14 again for right. four years? How do you know the next step is you don't sniff the playoffs for a, another 12 years or, or – you know, you get someone in there that wants to completely change the philosophy and you start going back to the Bengals of old. Well, um, I guess that's the question because you look at the Bengals now. I'm, you know, I'm yeah. not a Bengals fan, but I've I've seen kind of, it seems like that's where it's trending. And you were there at a time when, I mean, we already talked about your receiving core, how right. talented they were. Uh, the backfield, the defense, like the talent was there. Yeah. People would regularly look at the Cincinnati Bengals for a few years and go, like, that's the most talented team in football right. across the board. And if it's trending where people aren't saying that anymore, like, why was the 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 window missed, I guess? Yeah, I, I think because I don't want to say we lucked up into it, but the way we acquired that talent was it was not a little unorthodox in the way that people think now, right? Because we have some guys that had some character concerns. Right. Um, and Cincinnati is never shy about giving sure. those guys an opportunity because the reality is we're not asking you to come in here and, you know, represent our country uh, <laughs> against other world diplomats. No, you're right. playing football. Right. <laughs> right. So if you can tackle, if you can catch, yeah. if you can throw, we can give you a shot. And as long as you don't do anything extremely stupid while you're here, you know, we'll, we'll figure it out. From it's there. a little harder to get in trouble in Cincinnati than some other places. It's a little harder, you know. Yeah. It's not much People going find on a way, there. But you know, I, I but, don't know, man. Those late nights at Skyline Chili. <laughs> <laughs> but I think that's it. It's like you know, you. I remember when I got to camp from Canada. Um, Jay wasn't super excited about me, and he'll he'll say that like, yo, he was coming from the UFL. He was like, yo, I got UFL guys that I, if we're gonna take a secondary league player, give me one who's not five six. Right. Yeah. But over time, I I grew on him, and and I was able to show that I was a pretty good professional football player, and he was happy about that. And you luck out and get a guy like that who eventually ends up leading an NFL team and receiving. You get a Marvin Jones in the fifth round, right? And who also ends up leading an NFL team and receiving. You get a Mo Sanu who they pranked him that there was he was drafted to the Bengals in the first round, and he ended up actually coming there, and he ended up leading leading an NFL team and receiving one year. Um, you get a Vontez Burfick, who, yes, he has his on-field problems, but he's always had his on-field problems, yeah. which is why he was undrafted. He's a stud. But the fact that you you can't tell me going back to that draft, someone's not going to say, yo, to hell with that. Draft him in the first round. Draft him in the second round because when it comes to football playing, he's a football player. 
You revitalize the career of Adam Pacman Jones, who is really an athletic freak. Otherwise, he wouldn't be able to be playing at the level he is at, what, 33 years old and all the problems he's had. So you luck into these guys or the Carlos Dunlaps who, you know, right before the draft, he's caught sleep getting a DUI in college. Well, now he's a candidate for man of the year every every season because he does so much in the community and he's developed to an incredible leader. So I think they just kind of lucked up into having that kind of talent on the team. And sometimes when it happens that fast, maybe you're unprepared and you don't realize it because the reality is we can't keep everyone because they play there are They are so talented. Right. But at the, at the, on the other end, you really don't know how good they are until probably time goes on. Like going right. back to that receiving core, yeah. You would have loved to have locked everyone up for $2 yeah. million dollars a year and just say, okay, now we have our receiving core that's locked in. Yeah. It's but, almost like everything has to come together at absolutely the right time. Yeah, and it's tough. It's and, tough. I mean, you talk about Andy Dalton. I think Andy Dalton, I mean, in, in a way, he it's, it's a double-edged sword. Like he's gotten a bad rap. Maybe deserved in some part, maybe undeserved. But you got to remember, he came in a league and was performing right away. Are right. those teams different if they have a twelve-year vet at quarterback? Right. Maybe, but then you don't have money for other places. Like yeah. you were doing, you you got to a certain level with Andy Dalton when mm-hmm. he was a little green and he wasn't saying, "I don't like this play." He wasn't right. a you know a fifteen-year NFL vet at quarterback can say, "I don't like it," and yeah. it's out. And, but the thing is, even Andy, I, I'm not even going to act like. Andy is a, a game manager. Right. People say that. I don't believe it. I think it's wrong. I don't think Carson Palmer is better than Andy Dalton. I don't. And a lot of people say that. Nothing is Carson. Carson's an incredible quarterback. Yeah. But if you go apples to apples, pick any seven years in Carson's career, his numbers don't match Andy Dalton. And you yeah. can say, oh, because there's so much talent around him. Andy Dalton came in and he won nine games with Seth Benson at running back. A.J. Green was a rookie. Andre Caldwell, Jerome Simpson, those those aren't perennial pro bowlers. Those aren't Marvin Jones, Mosa New. Yeah. Like eventually those guys developed into what they are, but when he came in, that wasn't the case. And I remember Andy's first game, he got hurt in the second quarter. And I remember thinking, like, oh, this dude is soft, man. He's not gonna he's gonna be hurt every every game. First game he's tapped out, the dude didn't miss a game for like another five years. You know what I'm saying? So I think he's tougher than people think. I think, you know, the year that Hugh Jackson had him, it was a perfect marriage. And the offense catered to him perfectly, and he was like, he had an MVP style season. I just don't think you've had that quarter, that offensive coordinator for that perfect, that perfect match, and it's so important. You know, it's the reason Matt Ryan was MVP, not because I think Matt Ryan is a top five quarterback. Because I don't. I think he's a great quarterback. I think he's good. I think he's like Andy Dalton. But when you get the right offensive coordinator who says, okay, this is your talent, and we're going to play to it, that's when you have it. You can't have a guy in there or offensive coordinators in there that say yo this is my offense and you're gonna run it because it doesn't work that way it's not a plug and play like that's that's a recipe for disaster i think everything you've talked about so far is something that people don't really understand is the the level of talent between the best 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 guy and the worst at the same yes in the nfl is not that big a gap no and it's right place right time i always say the first thing i look at when i'm judging a quarterback is could they win a Super Bowl? Right. Like, could they do it? Do I trust with everything right in the situation that yeah. they could get it done? And I think Andy Dalton, right out of the gate, proved winning games right up front that you're like, oh, they could. Yeah. He could. But then it's right place, right time. And everybody's a little too, you know. It's all bullshit, man. I mean, the football, I mean, we'll all have opinions. We'll all say yeah. whatever. And it's like it changes. Now Nick Foles is, the, is right. God's gift of right. football. <laughs> You know what I mean? Where the dude couldn't get a job nine months ago. So Who's you're not going to tell me Nick Foles is better than Andy Dalton. I love Nick Foles. I love what he's done. I was a 
I was very critical of him and his ability to get it done, and he shut guys like me up. But the reality is, like, it doesn't change my mind that he's not better than Andy Dalton. But, like, now we love him. He'll get paid, and he should because he's earned it because when the lights were on, he performed. But that's all it is. Like, that's right. it's simple as that. So who's your top five? You said you don't have Matt Ryan in your top five. Yeah. Right now, if I said to you, who's mm-hmm. your top five quarterbacks heading into the 2018 NFL season? Yeah. It would probably be, i go to Brady, Aaron Rodgers. Um, I'd go Breeze. I'd go Russell Wilson. I'd go... Carson Wentz. And if we extended it, I would go Cam Newton. I would go Cam Newton. I like Derek Carr. I think he's going to be lighted up with, with Gruden. Yeah, I think I'm with you. His his ability is like incredible. And I think I don't think we've seen it yet. You know what I love? It looks like we got Team Russ over here. I'm yeah. big, I'm big Russell Wilson. Yeah, me too. I'm big Russell Wilson. I'm big Russell. Yes. We we've had some and we're not gonna go down that yeah. rabbit hole again. But i we've had some heated debates over Russell Wilson. Yeah, and I'm I, in. And and I think this like you look at this year's Seahawks team, I think you remove him and you put just an average quarterback, they win four games. Yeah. Here, here's what I think, and just this is how I, I determine it. I look at a quarterback, there's like certain things I look for to like judge. Um, one of them is when I'm watching a game, does it do they care the most to win, right? And like when you watch a game, when you watch demeanor, when you watch the way they do it, it has to look like and feel like that of everyone else on the field, the guy who wants to win the most is the quarterback. And all those guys I named you, when you watch them, you could tell by the way they do it. It's not an ego thing. It's not a. It's like yo, I'm trying to win this this game. I'm gonna do whatever the hell I have to to win it. And guys around them feel that. That's number one. Number two, I want to be able to take a quarterback and put him on any team. And him still be that same guy. And I feel like if you're a quote-unquote elite guy, that's what you like. Aaron Rodgers is Aaron Rodgers at all 32. Right. Tom Brady is Tom Brady at all 32. Um, Drew Brees is, is Drew Brees at all 32, so on and so forth. And I feel like Russell Wilson is that same guy. Russell Wilson is still Russell Wilson no matter what team you put him on. The rest, the next level of guys, I still think they're, way, they're above average quarterbacks and they're good. And that's the kind of pocket I'd put Matt Ryan in. But I don't think he's... He's not the MVP Matt Ryan we've seen with Shanahan without him. Or he he's not going to go to Cleveland right in this year and and be the same guy. Whereas the rest of those guys, they're 11-win guys, 10-win guys, playoff teams, contenders, no matter where you put them on God's green earth. And I think that's what makes the difference. And you got to play with Brady. You signed mm-hmm. with the Pats. And yep. then basically decide you were going to retire a few yep. months later. I just, I didn't, I, I didn't see them win the Super Bowl. I thought, you know what, Nick Foles is going to come in. <laughs> I, you know what, this isn't, this isn't, so I tried to get on the Eagles. It didn't work. I retired. You should have, you should have <laughs> said you'd play D-back for yeah. them. That's what you exactly. should have done. You're like, I'm 5'7". Exactly. Yeah. Like, hell, I know all the routes. Hell, yeah. it could have been the Hawkins brothers. You could have got your brother out of retirement. Yeah, we just, yeah. just bring it all back together. You guys would have played way better than their secondary <laughs> in that Super Bowl. So you played with Brady for a hot minute. What was uh-huh. that like? He's a maniac. He's a maniac, and I, and I know the Tom versus Time documentary came out recently, and it kind of showed that. Yeah. But before that, I was trying to let everybody know, like, yo, this dude is crazy. Like, you know he's a competitor. You know he's the best of all time. But when you're there, I don't want to say, I don't want to use the wrong words, but it's like, yo, damn, he loves this. Not the most. He loves this too much, almost. Like, yeah. you know, he's a guy that, you know, I'm human. I'm a competitor. I work hard. I pride myself in no matter what the situation, no matter what I'm a part of, I want to leave it in a better situation than I found it, right? Because that's like my reputation. That's my calling card. So I work my butt off no matter what. Whether I want to be there, whether I don't, whether I care about it or don't, you're going to get one guy all the time. Tom Brady is that times 100. Like he doesn't – I just try to put myself in other people's situation. Like if I'm making $20 million a year and my wife is making $20 million a year (laughs) – 
and I have five Super Bowls, and I'm already regarded as the best of all time. Like, there's going to be some level of, eh, I don't need to do this. I've done this in my sleep. I've done it for 16 years. That's okay, because I've already had it. There's already, there's already certain things that I like as a professional, by the time I was 30, that I didn't need to practice anymore. You know, I, I knew when it was man or zone. That wasn't something I need to, I could diagnose that just by looking at a DB's eyes and see where his eyes are. If he's not looking me in my face, it's not man to man because when it's man to man, I know you're scared. You're scared I'm going to I'm gonna give you the business and I can kind of tell in your demeanor. So little stuff like that, I just don't have to work on. Tom's not like that. He's in a corner working on drops that an undrafted rookie from, you know, San Diego State would be working on just to try to make the practice squad. And it's like all football with him all the time. And his just level of, of give a damn is just so much higher. And I couldn't understand why it was so high because you've already, you already have literally everything. And to me, it was like he's almost chasing a ghost. He's chasing the ghost of Tom Brady. Almost like when you're in competition with yourself, you only can keep raising the bar and it, it just never stops. I think the the thing with Tom Brady that's always been so impressive is like the evolution of Tom Brady. You know, we yes. talk about six rounder, we talk about he's a backup, he comes yeah. in, he gets it done. It's not like he was Peyton Manning where that's like number one overall pick. Right. You're gonna be the guy. Yeah. You know, you talked about kind of Andy Dalton in his younger days. I feel like Tom Brady, he must have had to work that way. From day one, yes, and then so it's now that's just how he works out. That's, that's it. just what he does. It's just a different it's kind level. of a double. You know, it's kind of like it worked out for him because yeah. he had to do it as a six rounder, and now he's still that guy. And it's you're eighteen crazy. or whatever. You can see what kind of people, um, like what people's goals are in life. So with this podcast, right? Like you guys, y- your goal wasn't a thousand listeners. Right? You used to have Andrew Hawkins on. So you know, today like, is the mic drop. So today, day. after today, <laughs> that's it. We'll we see it what you're really about. <laughs> yeah. Right? Because when you're a professional athlete, it's the same way. Some guys go, like my goal was to play one game in the NFL, right? But I'm the same guy all the time. But my I attained my goal seven years ago. Like that was it. You know, everything else was icing on the cake. Now I didn't stop and it didn't change who I was, just luckily because that's who I am. But my goal was attained back then. Some guys' goals are to make a lot of money. So that's why when you see guys get big contracts, sometimes the level of play and the intensity isn't the same because guess what? They accomplished their goal. Some guys' goal is to win a Super Bowl ring or a an NBA championship. Like you look at the Cavaliers and there's some players on that team that don't seem like the same players they were, you know, three years two years right, ago when the Cavs won. won yep. Yeah. Because it was people. like, yo, I'm I'm a champion now and I'm good with that. Like I have that on my tagline forever. I got my money, I'm a champion. But then you look at guys like LeBron. And it's like, yo, LeBron's this, he's that. Well, guess what? LeBron's goal was never one, was never winning one championship. His goal was never winning two. Was, he has to chase being the best, and the only way to be the best is to win seven. Tom Brady's goal wasn't one Super Bowl. It wasn't two. It wasn't three. It wasn't four. It's not five, six, seven, eight. He wants to win probably ten championships. So then it's tougher for people to catch him. So it's tough to catch him. And it's like there's guys in the locker room where my goal is this and his goal is that. And his, it's just a different level. Like, if you can't match where I'm going, you can't be a part of this. And I just think that's what you're seeing with Tom Brady. So it will never stop. It will never be satisfied because he's chasing a greatness that we don't even know is possible yet. Do you think Belichick is on that same wavelength as far yes. as the absolute, like you said, the craziness in, in a sense of how Brady is? Of right. Just, it's winning, winning. Because you've seen recent players come out recently saying, it's not fun to play there, even yeah. though you're winning. Right, and I, I would call that and say that I, I've heard players that love it. I'll give you an ex- example. Johnson Batamosi was a guy. 
He's a special teamer. He's one of the guys who ended up going in and playing some defensive back. He's been a, a traditional special teamer, incredible special team player. I played with him in Cleveland, but he's a regimen guy. Like when we practiced in Cleveland, practice would be at three. I could walk in the weight room every day at five fifty. He would be doing the same exact stretch every single day without like three years in a row it didn't matter he was always doing that stretch or doing his routine because he understood that to be at his best he had to go through certain things that's what new england is it's doing whatever the hell you have to do to be the best person you possibly can i talked to him he freaking loves it there like to the point he's going into free agency and he's like yeah you know i'll 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 check wherever but to be honest i love new england i it's like and he had like like stars in his eyes like he loves it like there's players like that. Like well, I said, well, you just said there's guys whose goals to get paid. There's guys exactly. whose goals to live in Miami. There's guys so, whose goals that, that if you just want to win, go there because that's all Belichick cares about. That's and all he you, cares about. If you care about something else, you're probably gone anyway. And they'll and New England will tell you that. Yeah. And when you come on your visit there, they say, look, this is not for everybody. It's simple as that. Like this isn't. We're not paying everybody max dollar because all we want is guys here who want to win. And, and if you're not into that, if you're into having fun. If you're quote unquote, hey, I want a mix of work and fun. This isn't the place for you. We don't pay you to have fun. There's no quote unquote fun incentives in your contract. We're here to win. And once you decide that that's no longer your number one goal, I don't care if you're a coach. I don't care if you're a personnel director. I don't care if you're a player. You're a lunch lady. This is no longer the place for you because that's the only thing we're interested in. When you hear, when you go in, I mean, you you said all that like mm-hmm. it was said to you, yeah. Like when you were sitting there in the chair, yeah. When somebody says that to you, what was like? What's your attitude to that? How I love do you it. Feel I I appreciate it. I wish I would have gone there a couple of years earlier, like when my body was a, a little more and better. It was a little better conditioned. It was like you know my knees weren't hurt and I wasn't as it was. That's what that's who I was in Cincinnati. That's who I was in Cleveland. Anybody, there's not a player or a coach who will talk to you and say, "Yo, I remember this one day where Hawk came in and he just, you know, he went through the motions. He didn't work hard, and we had to get on him about never. I was the same guy every single day, no matter what the hell I was doing. And I would have loved to have been in peak condition and be in a place like New England where that was at a premium because everybody in there is like that. Every single receiver at the end of practice. I would pride myself on winning the sprints, winning the conditioning, um, being the first first guy and working the hardest and just leaving it all on the field. Every single receiver, every single position is like that in New England because it's a standard. If you're not that, you are not there, period. So a guy like me, I loved it. It just, it just came at the wrong time in my career, to be honest. Now, on the opposite end, I, we got to talk about Cleveland for a minute. Right. You know, you go to New England where it's all win, win, win. Mm-hmm. And before that, you were in Cleveland, and you signed your deal from Cincinnati to go to Cleveland. What's that like as a team who's the perennial loser when you walk yeah. into that environment and that locker room? You know, my first year, I mean, I, I, I love my time in Cleveland. I'm not going to lie. Like, it, it was different. It was it was cool to be – because Cincinnati it was kind of like – it was weird. We were good, but nobody talked about us, right? And it didn't see, it seemed like we were like – I don't know, kind of like a tree falling in the woods that no one was there to see, so it wasn't really making a sound. So you you play in the NFL, but sometimes it didn't feel like it. Yeah. Like, you know, when you have a home playoff game and you don't sell it out, it's kind of like, hmm, this is weird. There should be more hoopla around this. Because, again, <laughs> I grew up a Bengals fan. Yeah. There wasn't very many home playoff games, right? So it, it was a little peculiar to me that it wasn't like the city wasn't on fire when we were – you know, 11 win seasons and hosting a home playoff game. In Cleveland, you could be 0-16 and 16 and all the city talks about is you. And there was a point where we, I don't care if you were losing, they're still showing up. 
if for nothing else to come tell you you suck. But it's a it's a big <laughs> deal. They they're clinging to their yeah. Cleveland Browns, and so from that respect, it was a little. It was awesome to to have a city that was so passionate about their team. And the first year I was there, we started off the season seven and four, and we were number one in the division. And and like it, that had hadn't happened for a long time through eleven games in in Cleveland. And it was like, yo, this is awesome. Like I'm gonna be a part of the turnaround. And then some of the decisions were made that you know we we benched our starting quarterback. We put Johnny Manziel in, and we lost. You guys lost the last five, didn't lost you? Lost like yeah, like we we dropped the last five and didn't come close to the playoffs and it was like damn like that that part sucked but at the beginning it was like yo this is going to be awesome um so how did you, you feel as a receiver i on was that pissed when seven four and they bench your starting quarterback like I was what, what's going through like they, they just go we're making a change of quarterback and you guys are like yeah pretty this much is I, gonna suck i got a call from the coach and he was like yo we're thinking about changing i kind of ha good one that's funny because <laughs> who changes a quarterback at seven and four yeah right like that's a crazy you're you're funny but then they were like, yo, we're serious. But there was like some things going on that I not I don't even have all the answers to. I can speculate mm-hmm. um that were reasons for the change, but you know, it shouldn't happen. It like and we haven't Cleveland hasn't been anywhere near close since. And at the time there was veterans there who come from other programs like me, like Carlos Dansby, like Dante Whitner. And it was like, yo, you don't make changes to a seven and four team. I don't care if you do lose the last five. You lose the last five with the guy that got you to seven and four. And I just think it was a big mistake, and it wasn't one one of the only only mistakes that that were made, um, as far as the on field product. I don't feel like you should touch the on field product at that stage in the season when we had such a good formula going. But just like we talked about with the Bengals, sometimes when you have success, you start to you start to you know feel yourself a little bit. And say, oh yeah, I, I got this figured out, so I can do this and still be good. Do you think you know? that was part of the Manziel hype train? You know, you have Brian Hoyer, your quarterback, mm-hmm. who you know, doesn't have the fanfare of someone like a Manziel. Right. And, you know, the crowd, I mean, when he was drafted, people in Cleveland were losing their mind. And right. we all know he won the Heisman and so much hype behind him. Yeah. I wonder if, do you think that played into it? I think it definitely played into it. I think it was, I mean, first off, you don't draft a first round quarterback that you don't expect to play. Right. So once you make that determination, I'm drafting this guy in the first round. I mean, there's investments involved. He's your like, player. Yeah, right. You don't draft, I don't care what position, you don't draft first round as you don't intend to play and not like, Two years from now, you want him to play right now, right? So you're in a weird situation where Brian Ho- Brian Hoyer, and again, I, I could be misquoting this, but I believe not misquoting, but I believe he got like a contract offer in the season, like for a backup role. And you know, this is a guy who's from Cleveland, so he's a Browns fan, so it means a little bit more. Like if I go play in Cincinnati, for me, it was different because I grew up a Cincinnati Bengals fan, so. I wanted to win in Cincinnati. That was the best thing. Like, that was the coolest part of my career. Like, being a part of a winning team of the Cincinnati Bengals when I grew up rooting for him. So, for a guy who's from Cleveland, rooting for the Browns, it's not just a check to him. You know what I mean? He's answering to uncles and cousins and, yeah. you know, family that I root for Browns for, for generations, right? So, they offered him a backup, but I don't think he took it. And, like, I think late in the season, you know, I don't know if it was the front office or the coaching, but you could... I, don't, I think it was just like, man, uh-oh, we're 7-4. and four. You know, we offered him this deal, and he stuck to his guns. He bettered himself. If he takes the Browns to the playoffs, you know, like, he's a free agent. How are we going to justify not signing the guy who took the Browns to the playoffs for the yeah. first time in X amount of years? And heaven forbid he wins a playoff game. 
Like, we got to give this dude the keys to the city. So it's a business decision. So we have to look for the opportunity. So there was a time when, you know, Josh Gordon had, had come back. He hadn't, he was suspended for 10 games. His first game back, we threw him the ball 20 times. You know, and he's that kind of talent. But to be honest, he didn't know the offense at the time. Yeah. So there was like a couple of interceptions that happened, not because of Brian was a bad quarterback, but because wires were getting crossed because now his number one receiver is a guy he didn't have the chemistry with throughout the season. And then it carried into the next game. And then like now we have two games where he didn't play his best, right? And then now some of the rumblings where we're putting Johnny in. So now he has that on his shoulder. And then, you know, he ends up ends up getting benched. We didn't get the best him for like a two or three game stretch because yeah, so of all that. To bench him. So now it's easier to bench him. And now, okay, if nothing else, we don't have this problem of having a first round guy that the fans love and also the hometown kid who took us to the playoffs for the first time in sixteen years. But is that is that in essence kind of the problem with the Browns? If you look at a team like the Seattle Seahawks, yeah, uh, they bring in Matt Flynn and they give him all the money in the world, uh-huh. and they have a, ruck, a rookie in mm-hmm. Russell Wilson. And right out of the gate, they're like, "We give this guy money, but who cares? Yeah. He's not the guy." I don't think it's a Browns problem, to be honest. And I, you know, I know Jimmy, and, and people are critical of Jimmy as well. And like I said, in sports, you you can be, but it's not Jimmy Haslam. You know what I mean? It's it's a it's a whoever's coming in problem. It's it's a general manager problem. It's a mm-hmm. it's a head coaching problem. It's a you know whatever the title is, because you come in with a plan and you don't get that job by not selling the owner on what the plan is, and you have to stick to the plan. Right. So if I'm the general manager and I say, "Yo, we're not paying Brian Ho- Brian Hoyer," and then the situation changes, well, now it looks like you made the wrong call, and now we're in this shitty situation. So I don't think it's a brown. It's that there's such a pressing issue or such a pressing a goal for whoever's in there to be the guy to turn around because you sold who you got that job by selling the turnaround and now you have to make these drastic decisions that's why you see so much turnover because the new guy comes in and says oh this team sucks let me turn the roster completely over that's not the case there are incredible starters there's solid starters there's good guys on the roster no matter who the hell team well, you the inherit Browns get the best draft picks every year every year and it's <laughs> like yo we draft bad no you don't draft bad you've made bad first round decisions but the problem is you get guys like Travis Benjamin, Alex Max, um, Craig Robertson, the starting middle linebacker in, in New Orleans. You get guys like Taylor Gabriel. You get guys like, you know, Johnson Batamosa, who's playing in the Super Bowl. And the new guys come in and say, oh, we don't need those guys. That team sucked. We're okay with letting them walk. We're, let, we're letting Mitchell Schwartz leave, who is now an all-pro for right. the Kansas City Chiefs and was your starting right tackle and was ready to take a, a bad deal. Or, or Buster Screen, we're letting him go to the Jets. And then he becomes a, a and that's solidified when, and that's starter. When guys from Bill Belichick, they they their mouths start their watering, feet. and they're like, "Man, you know, you know that, that's why everybody clamors for Browns guys because they know they're talented." You know, what I mean? and it's like the new guy comes in, it's like this roster sucks. Let me get my own guys. I'm going to win with my own guys, and we're letting guys like that walk out the door too consistently. And people always kind of blame the Browns, like, "Oh, this is this was their bad first round decision." This is yep. it's like there's 200 mock drafts that all have that guy there. So yeah. you're telling me every single person was wrong or the Browns just didn't know how to use their talent? Exactly. And I, I just, it, the turnover is tough. And I think that's where Jimmy has gotten gotten a lot, you know, a lot better and kind of been informed. He's not trying to turn over. I think the best thing he could have done was kept Hugh Jackson. Even if Hugh Jackson comes out next year and loses 16 games, I think the, the process of saying, okay, we're going to stick this out every time until we know. Until we know this isn't the guy or is the guy. You know, and say, okay, well, he didn't have anybody on those two those two years in the one and thirty one. Those rosters were terrible. I'm I'm just being honest with you. They weren't not like from a, a pure talent standpoint, but they're too young. Like 
you can go get the best col- the best 53 college football players right now, put them in the NFL, and they would go 0 and 16. Does that mean they're not talented? Right. Of course not. That you know, four years from now, that would be the best NFL team. But as it stands, they're playing grown men. They don't understand being a professional, so they will not be able to beat any team in the NFL. And I think that's what you've seen with the Hugh Jackson squads is that when you have 30 rookies on an active roster, you're not going to be able to go in there and, and beat the Pittsburgh Steelers. You're not going to be able to, to beat the Baltimore Ravens and Terrell Suggs and all these guys who have been doing it at a high level for so long. So I think now that they have but a new guy. Isn't the counterpoint to that that we talked about before, the top of the heap to the bottom of the heap in the NFL is a pretty small window, and yes. there's a lot of parity in any given Sunday. Mm-hmm. And if you're if you're the coach that's meant to be here and you're – even with the 30 rookies, yeah, shouldn't you be able to sneak three wins? Shouldn't you be able to be the team that three other teams look past no. a, a year? Absolutely not. No. Not with that. Not Because how come you don't not see Not with record, of record amount of rookies. Right. Not with record because, you know, you don't see that that many young guys. Lead. Like, we let go of incredible talent. And not only that, the NFL is so – it's more mental than people realize. It's more – you know, experience is, a, is really a premium. You ask, like, how can a 5'7 guy come in and, and be, I'm 6'4"? And other, it's because I'm a smarter football player than people. It's, I'm not, that's how I do it. Right. It's not like, yes, I have a, a, I'm quick, I'm smart. I mean, I'm quick and I'm, I'm fast, but at the same time, I understand the game of football. So I could get by in the NFL, your first three or four years, you get by because you're the, physically the best you can possibly be. And in that time, you gain experience. So that's why the next three to four years of everybody's career is their best because now they have the experience and physically they're still peaking. And then that's why past those three to four years, you then rely on your smarts. So it's guys like myself who can play after 28 till I'm 32 and be pretty good because, like I told you, I can spot man man or zone like that. I can I can beat a DB because he's just looking at oh, me versus you, and I'm thinking, oh, man, I see that safety. I'm not getting the ball here anyway. I'm going to save my energy. Oh, this play's coming. I know it's me because it's, it's cover two, and this is it, this. So now I can burst, boom, boom, boom. I'm smarter than you. Like So when you have a team that's all physical, there's no experience. There is no, like, you know, third down in the fourth quarter. I got to make this catch because I got to feed my kids. And also, to your point, when you run veterans out of the, the locker room, the NFL is, I'm a guy who comes from the CFL. When I come from the CFL, I got cut my first day of my first team at the St. Louis Rams. Drove 13 hours there, 13 hours home. <laughs> so from then on... Is that Jeff Fisher? That was Spagnol- Spags. Okay. That was Spags. So from then on, every day I, I realized I could get cut any moment, which means every single practice was a game to me because it mattered that much. And I understood that if I got cut, I couldn't feed my family. When you bring rookies in who may be more physically talented at the time, but they're not better professionals than the guy you have on board, they're not better than Taylor Gabriels. They're not better than Paul Krugers. They're not the best option, but you still cut those guys and give it to the rookies. Now the rookie thinks this is like college. I'm on scholarship. And eh, it's okay. I don't have to work as hard in practice because I just got a job over a guy that was probably better than me right now because I was drafted. I got the scholarship. He had to go. I'm here. And then in the games, in the fourth quarters, in the third downs, when those close games, you say, how come we can't sneak three or four wins? Well, when it comes to third down and three and we need a first down to prevent the next team from getting the ball back, there's not a same sense of urgency. Like a guy like me who says, yo, if I drop this third down, I may never earn another dollar playing football and I can't afford to pay for my kids tuition. I can't, you know, get that house. I'm not going to get that contract. And if there's not that sense of urgency, 
the play doesn't happen. It's simple as that. You know, you brought this up uh, talking about being a smart football player. And I've talked about this with specifically Tom Brady and the Patriots. And it mm-hmm. makes sense. That's how you end up there in, in a Patriots uniform at some point. But people have always, it's part of the Tom Brady lore that right. he's done it with nobody, his yep. no name receivers, and this guy, and look at Edelman, he's so short, and, yeah. and these white guys, and they're slow. And, and to me, I've always said, I think they want the smart guy who's going to do it right. They can give up a little bit of the freak athletic talent for a guy who's going to run it the right way. Is that how a guy like you ends up there? And is that kind of their method? Yeah, exactly. That's it. I mean, when you go to New England, like they work you out. They do all the things that like you do in a regular workout. And then they bring you into the office and they sit there and talk football with you for like 20 minutes. And that's rare. People don't do that. But it's because... If you're not where to the level we need you intellectually as a football player, you can't play here. Listen, I I've, I got a 4.0 at Columbia. I have an Ivy League Masters. I am a smart guy, right? I'm not saying that to be cocky. I mean, you're or anything. here today, so everybody knows that. Exactly. Like, like look you know, where you are. So I like playbooks. I can't even spell Columbia for that. <laughs> <laughs> I can learn playbooks in my sleep. Like there have been times. I kid you not. I've gotten a playbook one day. I know all the plays the next day. Simple as like it's it's that easy for me to pick up because I know football and because I can retain information relatively quickly. I got to the the Patriots and I was there for three months and I did not I still had like I would learn the plays I would study them and I would stay up all night and then I would watch it the next day in practice I would watch Tom and Julian or I would watch Tom and Amendola and I could not figure out like why that play call was this and it registered this play in my mind but it looks completely different on the field well it's because they are such smart football players. They're they're like on the same wave path. It's a chemistry thing. Like it's not even about like learning the playbook in New England. It's about can you get on the same page as Tom Brady to where I he says Hut, you guys are looking at the defense and you're seeing the same right. audible without him verbalizing it to you. It's almost like, yo, I know what Tom is thinking here because we run this so much and we we've, we've studied it and we know it so intently and we can process this information better and faster than the guys who think they're running it and boom. That's why Dola is as good as he is. That's why I've always said about about Brady, people always, like I said, it's part of the lore. People want to go, oh, imagine what he would have done with this guy. Yeah, no. It's like no. he's only doing what he's doing because of these guys. Exactly. Because they're it's on a, his wavelength. Exactly. If you don't have the chemistry with Tom, you will not, you will not be there. That's why and, they haven't, the big-time receivers have sort of come and gone there. Come and gone. And, I mean, Randy Moss is a lot smarter than you think, and he, he was that much better than people that he can just run by him and Tom can hit him. Yeah. That as well, but that's why guys they like Ocho Cinco in a season. Ocho Cinco to me is a Hall of Fame talent. You know, I think if he wouldn't have bounced around, he would have stayed in Cincinnati, and you know, the Rift. He would have probably played another six, seven years. They wouldn't have gotten rid of him. He would have retired there. He would have retired with probably fourteen thousand, uh, fifteen thousand plus receiving yards. He would have, you know, put, put a statue in Cincinnati. The the fact that he put Cincinnati on the map the way he did, like he's a marketing genius. He was the first guy to like really start to monetize his his kind of personality. But the worst thing he could have possibly did was leave Cincinnati um, because they loved him. It was an incredible thing. And I, I bet you, I would I would argue that he would, he would agree. He got to New England. Not that he wasn't good enough. It was the fact that he couldn't get on that same page. And if you're not on that yeah. same page, Tom can't use you. I'll use an undrafted guy who can understand and, and be on my page before I can use a guy who, I, like I said, I think eventually could have been a Hall of Fame receiver. Well, look, I know you're on a time crunch. You're a busy yeah. man. What, what, what's on the plate today for you? What, what's going on? A little bit of everything, man. I got, you know, we're filming, uh, we're filming some 
some TV stuff with with LeBron, a show called The Shop. So I'll, I'll be on set there watching watching that happen. You know, I work with Maverick Carter and and LeBron on, on the business development side and doing things there. And you know, we got a couple of events later on, a couple of meetings, just running all over the place, man. And you got you got your podcast, got the Tomahawk That's- Podcast, Forbes Thirty Under Thirty, um, killing it. Yeah, Pulitzer Prize winner. Uh, what else did we get? <laughs> I People's mean, you, Choice Award, Oscars, and when we first met you on uh, on the set, and now we're talking, we we didn't even know that the podcast was coming. I feel like it's the funny because I didn't either. Sort of blessed you guys with the podcast, yeah, you know, a little bit of that podcast feeling. Now when, you're yeah, killing how, us. How did that come about? You, it, <laughs> if you haven't listened to it, you guys got to check it out. Yeah, him and Joe Thomas, it's amazing. You guys, I love it because you're not scared to quote unquote go there. Exactly, talk about things, especially as former professional athletes i think mm-hmm. a lot of guys are scared to say things yes but you guys say it how did this whole thing come about well i think you know we had we would have these incredible talks in the locker room and you know we're kind of polar opposite but anytime you can talk about issues and have open minds and have an incredible discussion and joe would always ra- raise these points like well what about this and i'm like hmm, i didn't think of that but did you think of this and he would be like ah oh, okay and then we would kind of you know just play this game all the time and it got to the point where as i alluded to later in my career in the browns we were like one of the only like three 30 plus guys and all the other guys were like 21 years old. And then, so it would just be us hanging out and no lineman and a receiver. And that's how, basically how the Tomahawk was born. And like within like a five day period of saying like, <laughs> let's do a podcast. Everything kind of just happened fast. And here we are today. And you guys are. I don't on- buy all that chemistry. I think there was just Tama and Hawk, and that's the only <laughs> way it goes together. You that was know. actually the last part. Like we, there was actually some pushback in that name. I'm like, no, it's perfect. I what mean, are you talking about? Whoever, fire a, whoever pushed back. Exactly. They did not know what they're talking about. It's a perfect name. Yeah. And, and that's on Uninterrupted. It's on Uninterrupted Network. Yep. Gotcha. Yep. Yeah. I got to ask you before you go, one last question. I mean, come on, the serious Cincinnati question Skyline or Gold Star? I got to go Skyline. Why do you go Skyline? Um, because I don't know, I, I, when I got, like, being young, that was the first place that I went, and I just kind of clung to it, and so it was like, it's like Burger King, McDonald's, like, whatever you went to <laughs> first is your thing, Coke or Pepsi, it's, I got Skyline you. was just my thing, and I just stuck with it. I'm not, I'm not mad at that, I prefer Gold Star, even though I worked yeah. at Skyline. You look like a Gold Star guy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I like it thick. <laughs> well, guys, you gotta check out the Tomahawk Show with Andrew Hawkins, where all podcasts are available. Of course, follow yep. you on Twitter and Instagram, at Hawk, which I love. You own... At Hawk. Yeah, did that cost you money? Did you have to buy no, that man, number? No, I, I lucked into it a couple times, knew a guy who knew a guy, so I got it on Facebook, Instagram, and uh, Twitter. And actually, whoever owns At Hawk on Snapchat hit me up like two days ago, like, hey, you want this? Oh, nice. I'm like, yeah. Look. Like, yes, I do. <laughs> so... I can, I can pull off the, the four for four. Well, cool. Well, and I know you got so much going. And you all you host the on Snapchat. You host yes. the Sports Center. Yep, Sports Center on Snapchat. On Snapchat, which is like a, yeah, it's like a digital version of Sports Center. Um, yeah, we have a lot of fun with it. I make a lot of jokes, make fun of people. Sometimes it gets me in trouble. But it's, I mean, it's, it's not fun. long before Snapchat Sports Center is the it's like the, the, the flagship. Yeah, exactly, right, exactly. The flagship Sports Center. Exactly. So you're ahead exactly. of the game. Well, Hawk, thanks for making time for us, and Definitely. we'll have to do it again. We we didn't even get into the Canadian Football League. Yeah, I, I, we have to do a part two. Yeah. I'm so curious to hear what happens with the. Great I mean, Cup. every question's the same, right? It's like so the field wider. Yeah, exactly. Only three downs. You you run more reverses, huh? Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Well, thanks, man. We'll do it again soon. And uh, yeah, guys, go support him and all the things he's got going on. Appreciate it, guys. Great interview. It it was. I liked having Hawk. Uh, I wish we could have had him longer. I know it's All-Star Weekend, so it's a busy weekend. And also Black Panther Weekend. It's a busy weekend for for a young black man in America. (laughs) He had places to be. Yeah. Um, But... 
Uh, it was great to have him. A lot of like he he talked about a lot of things that you know we've kind of discussed you know before him, especially you know the the Tom Brady stuff. And obviously, I I, I love talking to him about Brady, and I respect his opinion. He at multiple points said the best of all time, um, but he did say something that kind of. Uh, made me think about remember last year when we put out the the video where i basically said why tom brady likes white wide receivers and people were like oh hogan's a super athlete you fucking racist cheddar dick and it's like you, you got called a cuck on a lot of those yeah 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 but self-hating white guy but he basically said exactly what i said right is like they're going to give up some athleticism they're going to give up some like god-given talent and they're going to trade it out for a guy who can be on that same page with Tom yeah. Brady and and play in that advanced offense which they run which also relates to you know what I've kind of said about Tom Brady the whole time and don't get me wrong I think there's a, you know it's not like Bill Belichick's the only person doing it um, there are other smart head coaches and I think there's plenty of places that Tom Brady would have succeeded but I think Tom Brady is as great as he has been because they are doing it in in an advanced way that, you know, part of it is how smart he is that he's able to do that. But, you know, people always go like, Tom Brady would be great. It's like, I don't know if Tom Brady is Tom Brady if he's on the Browns. I, I think that's what makes Tom Brady great. But Andrew Hawkins said that when I asked him for his top five quarterbacks. Yeah. He straight up said, Brady, Rodgers, Breeze, I think they can win 10, 11 games and make teams playoff contenders, and he said all thirty-two, right? right. Meaning any team, right? And, and, and right, and I and I and obviously, look, uh, Hawk is not only a guy who has NFL experience, not only a guy who has uh, NFL experience as a receiver, not only a guy who's super smart, um, but it, it was a little bit, in my opinion, contradictory when he says, you know, they're only doing it that way. Like, I I wonder if Tom Brady, you know, ended up on the Browns if they're running that kind of offense with Tom Brady, you know? And I wonder if Tom Brady is Tom Brady if they're not doing that. And that's what I found, and that's what I've always said is the most fascinating thing about, like I was talking about with Hawk, the the, the the kind of, uh, the, the, so, the, the Tom, the, I forget how exactly how I said it, but the, You're the evolution. Ruther aneurysm. No, no, that. sorry. I said, because I was trying to remember the exact words I said to Hawk, but the evolution of Tom Brady. Yeah. From going from a guy who was a, you know, a 150 yard game manager to the goat, as many people call him. I gotcha. Well, I'm not, you know, I've said my piece. Uh, there's nothing more for me to say. And, and, and obviously, you know. But nothing puts me uh, more in check with my athleticism than being a full head taller than a guy who played receiver in the NFL and being like, oh, that's that's yeah. certainly not my excuse. <laughs> yeah, I know. Again, it was a great day for me because I was finally taller than a professional athlete that we interviewed. Although, I was thinking, it'd be great. Was Trevor, Trevor, were you taller than Hawk? Or you're right about there. I literally by like an inch. By barely, oh, yeah. barely. Yeah, yeah, just barely. I had him by like an inch or two. I was thinking after that interview. Do you that guys- was in sneakers or slides? Sneakers. <laughs> and <laughs> athletic sneakers too. So I, guys, I had a boost. Do you guys think if, uh, I, you know, I would love to interview Hawk again, and I think we will. Do you think if I brought him out to Venice Beach on the sand, I could ever catch a pass on him or he could, or I could ever defend him on any play? No. Zero percent. No. No. Absolutely <laughs> not. No. <Zero laughs> no. So I couldn't catch no. a pass on him and I also could never 
I could never pass block one of the passes. No, I mean, not. I unless he fell down, unless like you know, if you if you ran a quick slant, like you, no, not even that. I mean, I mean, yeah, I is, mean, is he, he on you? Good, is he on you? Yeah, is it, and obviously, his brother was a cornerback for years, yeah, yeah. and he comes from a good bloodline. Yeah, that's why I asked that. Yeah, zero percent chance. The but, only way you'd stop him is if like the guy who was throwing the ball to you just he he would literally catch everything on you. Yeah. You could never stop him. Okay, you might catch a pass on him though. I, I might. I'll give you that quick slant. You might get him on that. You see Ruther's hands. I don't I think just, Ruther's got. Serious question: If if I threw Ruther passes with no one on him, twenty <laughs> yards downfield, what percentage do you think he catches? <laughs> I'm, I'm totally catching. What, what routes are we running? Are yeah, we I'm running, just saying straight. Just, I'm just saying put just him 20 fades, yards down. Just straight fades? Uh, I'm putting him at 60%. Did like, you, I think he's dropping 40 I was going to give him 70. I was going to give Speaking of my hands, do you guys know how crooked my hands are? My fingers? No. Did everybody know this? You should zoom in on this. My, my fingers you are, should zoom in on this. are so fucking crooked. Look at this. They're so... And what is that from? I've broken fingers multiple times in high school football, and I just never got it fixed. So then it just healed. Look at this. Look at my middle finger. You're you're out of camera. <laughs> <laughs> I'm showing Prano. Yeah, I see it. I mean, isn't that jacked up? Look how, ja- look how jacked up my fingers are. It's from fingering Mexican grandmas. Hey, that is a badge I'll carry, fam. Anyway. NFL news. I got to. I got to get this story out of the way real okay. quick before we, we talk fi- to Hawks. We got to wrap up some NFL news before we finish the show. Uh, AJ McCarron, he was contesting. I, I didn't understand the legal stuff, but he was contesting that he could be a free agent. He's gonna be a free agent. He can test the waters now. A lot of people think he's gonna get big money. He's, I mean, who, but let's be honest. Who's gonna give him the big money? I don't know. Which, which team is this? I don't know. I mean, there's obviously all the teams that are going to be competing for the Kirk Cousins. There's going to be teams that are drafting quarterbacks. I mean, are are the Browns paying for AJ McCarron? Are are the the losers of the Broncos, Cardinals, you know, Kirk Cousins uh, sweepstakes paying for AJ McCarron? I don't think AJ McCarron's getting a a monster deal. They're talking about the Vikings even looking at him. Okay. Man. How many quarterbacks do the Vikings want? I don't know. I, that's a weird question. That's a thing. I don't know. I mean, it's not, you know. I don't think, I think A.J. McCarron's getting like a $12 million deal. You think? I mean, that maybe not total, but I think I think at best A.J. McCarron's getting like $12 million a year for a couple of years. You don't think he's going to get the, I understand that we're just a year removed from, from Mike fucking, Lennon. Yeah, but I just don't know who's doing it. The Bears have their guy now, and you know, or so they think. And like, I just don't know the teams that are doing it. Yeah, I don't. I don't know either. I mean, you know, he, uh, he Denver's drafting a guy, so it's not going to be Denver. I can tell you that much. Well, I mean, I I understand Denver's drafting a guy, but are they drafting a guy to start this year? Pro- they're they don't they don't have a lot of cap space. So they're definitely not. They're not going to give McCarron. A big contract, right? So it's gonna they're gonna they're gonna draft a Darnold or an Allen or somebody, yeah. and they're probably gonna throw them in to throw them into the fire. They, Which they, I think is they dumb. probably would if they had. Which the I think ca- is dumb because they have a defense that can win now. Oh yeah, yeah. The, the, if they the, had the cap room for it, they would they would go after Cousins or they'd yeah. go after McCarron. They just don't have the the money for it. It'll be interesting to see though. Trevor, stay on that microphone for a second. Oh, okay. we, we got. I got to address some issues. Yeah, I saw this on the rundown, but I don't uh, even I really understand cool. what could be. Well, I just. I'm curious. You changed your. What Twitter, are you talking about? You changed your Twitter bio. What are you talking about? Okay. What does your Twitter bio say? You changed it, and before the show, it just said "Yo fool." That's all it said. 
which I thought was funny. Why did you change it to Yoful? Now I'm looking at it, you updated. Well, hold on, hold on, hold on. So before, if I recall, and I don't, I didn't, I don't have Trevor's bio memorized, but before, well, you had your girlfriend in there. That's yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah. What did that say? It said like it said I had like no, it just said it had all my teams that I liked, and then I threw some funny and like, and my girlfriend says to say that I have a girlfriend, right? Which she didn't make me say. I just threw it in there like, oh, it's funny, right? Did uh, she break up with you? No, 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 we're still. So your girlfriend, yeah, yeah. not in your bio, still in your life, though. Yeah, yeah, okay. yeah. And then you change it to just yo fool. To, yeah, because, okay, so, uh, yeah, yeah. Just and, fool. And what was that decision? So I was in the process, it was a high moment where I was like, because uh, I'd had that bio before where the one with, like, my team's the girlfriend. I had it for, like, two years. I was like, I got to change this shit. High moment, I was like, oh, let me change it. Went to change it, couldn't think of anything, and I was like, oh, within this hour, I'm going to change it. But while I... I'd already erased everything. So I was like, I'm just going to put yo fool in, and within the hour, I'm going to change it. High moment. High moment got high. It never, it never changed it. So it was yo Trevor, fool to forever. Be fair, every minute you're awake is a high moment. Not every moment, but, but a majority of the time. Okay. Yeah, the yeah, yeah. The first few moments. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do yeah. you wake and bake every day? No. No, not every day. Not How every often day. do you wake and bake? Um, or are we going to go like within a seven day, a seven day a, week? A seven day week, I would say three times a day. <laughs> three times a day. I'm sorry, no, no, three, three times, times a week. week, three times a week. See, he's hot, uh, he doesn't and, yeah. and what's a wake and bake? I mean, you, you get up and you make coffee before you smoke, or you... Well, see, I got I got a puppy. So, right. wake up, puppy wakes me up to go potty, to go pee, not potty, that's potty. not really six? fucking gay, that sounded really gay, sorry, but yeah, to go potty, make him go potty. It sounds, it sounds lame. <laughs> it sounds lame, it sounds very lame. We don't have to Jesus. sexualize yeah. the dog using the restroom. Track. So that, we'll, It was very trans of you. Anyway, keep going. We'll wake up. You cisgender fuck. <laughs> <laughs> we'll wake up, I'll make the pot of the coffee, we'll go to the bathroom outside, yeah. I'll come back in, start my day, smoke a bowl, yeah. and then that's how, that's so how the waking bake really starts. you're not really waking and baking. Wait, yeah, well, it's, in me, within, it's within a 20-minute process. To me, waking and baking is you pop out of bed. What kind of crackhead gets up and is like <laughs> fucking rolling joints on their nightstand? Bro, the, college, bro. their feet hit the floor. I used to do it sometimes in college. I mean, I know it's a lot different. My, old, my older brother taught me that. I, never, I remember the first time I heard that term. He's like, wake and bake, bro. And I'm like, what? He's like, wake and bake. Make you feel better. And then I was like, this is so cool. <laughs> wake up, pack a bowl, get high. God, I love college. Okay, so you changed the Twitter bio to Yo Fool, and it looks like during this recording, it now says at the Dirty Sports Intern. It does. Those were, yeah. Those were, those were instructions that you were given to me, that you gave me. I didn't force you to put it to this. Okay, I was going to say, I'm not a slave lord. Can you teach? Well, it's debatable. Can you teach? Slave lord. Is this a fucking (laughs) (laughs) goddamn sci-fi role? (laughs) Oh, the slave lord. (laughs) It's a fucking character from fucking Guardians of the Galaxy. That's even funnier when I'm high. Can you teach Goldberg how to change his? Can you teach Goldberg how to change his fucking avatar and his fucking banner picture? What I mean, does he have, does he have a does he have a look like Flash isn't a thing fucking filter? Why is he in the dark? Goldberg has he's eating pancakes in the dark. Co-host of Denver. They're Report. waffles. <laughs> you just can't see them because I have no light on them. Goldberg has co-host of the Dent Report. He doesn't add it, you know, to actually yeah. add it so people can click on it. Right. And then he puts on iTunes in the worst way of but for, for, first, first he has first he has searching for the light, 
which could be a reference to the path, but it could also be that he's searching for the light in his avatar photo because it's in complete fucking darkness. Searching for the light so I can see my waffles. He's eating by the fucking orange glow of the toaster. And then what is his what is his banner pick? I don't know. I mean, you maybe can see it on a phone easier, but uh, <laughs> we're using my phone to help film this. I don't know what it is. It's it's him wearing a Quiet Right. Is Quiet Right, yeah, band shirt, and then it's his co-host of Dent Report on iTunes. But I don't know how he's showing <laughs> iTunes. That's like when you spell like I ten, like yeah. I like that's what it is. Like I slash tunes, like the like ninety <laughs> to the I ten <laughs> to the iTunes. <laughs> The 405. Well, the good news is we're recording Dent Report uh, Monday, and I will be over Tomorrow. at his place today when this drops, and I will let him know. <laughs> I will actually show him. Just do it for him. Okay. <laughs> I will change his uh, Twitter handle. Anyway, Joe, I think that's how we wrap it up. Great. It's been a fun show. Fantastic. Give our boy Hawk some love. At Hawk on Twitter. Give him some love. Let him know how much you enjoyed his interview. Again, we'd love to have him back. Follow my uh, co-host here, at Dent, <laughs> and uh, Trevor, at Intern. You can follow me, at Andy Ruther. You can follow the show, at The Dirty Sports. And guys, leave the reviews. Just please, leave, just leave a rating. It literally takes two seconds. I, I Prano, it kills me to ask this every time, but I know for a fact, if you leave a lot of ratings or a lot of reviews... How many iTunes reviews do we have? Let me look it up. Uh, I'm sorry I asked. Can you give me a ball? Can, can you give me a ballpark? I wasn't trying to delay this. <laughs> I want to get this active. We're at 1,389 ratings. I know for a fact that we have significantly more listeners than that. I know too. I mean, that's less than 20 percent of yeah. our listeners. So just so 80 percent of the people that hear this every week have still not re- reviewed this no, show. No, they literally right now can't pause it and just give five stars. Just give five stars. Blinking guy meme. I'm doing it right yeah. now. I mean, uh, to me, I've always thought, like, what a great opportunity to trash Andy Ruther. Like, give us five stars and, like, I don't know, say Ruther did 9-11, you know? Say Ruther got cucked by a fucking black dude. Whoa, say, whoa, whoa, you know, whoa, whoa, just, whoa. This is a great opportunity. It's your, you get to say anything you want. You just can't swear. You can't swear. You can't swear. But you can say anything else you want about Andy Ruther as long as you put five stars. I can't believe more people don't take the opportunity to do that. Don't worry. I get my fair share of hate. I definitely do. Prano. Yeah. I know you got a lot of shows going on. I do. Uh, you can go to my website, joeprano.com, for shows. I've got a uh, show this Thursday at the Lab in, uh, in Hollywood. So come check that out. Or a uh, couple weeks, I'll be at the Fantasy Springs Casino. It, which is out by Palm Springs. I'll be in San Diego next week for a show with Eddie Ift on Tuesday at Madhouse Comedy Club. Possibly uh, a show next week at Red's uh, Saloon in San Diego. That one's kind of up in the air due to some travel plans. Uh, I'll be in New York in the end of March. So just JoePrayer.com for all my shows. Cool. Yeah. At Fix Your Life on Twitter. Unless at Joe wants to... Uh, <laughs> Make me an offer. Go support Prano. And again, guys, YouTube. All this stuff is up on YouTube. In fact, our full interview with Andrew Hawk, we live streamed. It's already up. So check it out. We put up episodes within 
16 hours after we record. So subscribe on YouTube, and you can leave hate comments to me on YouTube as well. All right, I got to edit this shit, so let's end the show. That's the big ending we're going to do. Yeah? Do you want to tell people not to forget anything? or? Uh... Yeah, dirtballs, much love. You guys know what to do. And uh, most importantly, don't forget, condoms are for pussies. <laughs>